Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DeathRollBrides.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joining today, we have Nico. Hello. And so yeah, it's just the two of us this week. Uh, no birdie, unfortunately. He had stuff to do. Other stuff. You know how it go. Yeah, that's all right. We'll, uh, you know, we'll continue on without him, but uh, he will be missed, as always. Yep. <laughs> but in the meantime. I'm saying it like it's a eulogy. Yeah. Like, he will just, be missed, folks. <laughs> just, we carry on in his memory. Yeah. In the way he would want us to. <laughs> By talking about some bullshit DC event. <laughs> so, yeah, um, this past week, um, fucking the Doomsday Clock dropped. Yes, it is. Issue one is here, and it's good to go, and it's all right. I thought it was good. I mean... Oh, yeah, it won't, ba- okay. it won't bad. Like, it's... Let me... Let me, Yeah, let me just... I thought it was decent. It wasn't bad... But it was a very slow start so far. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was yeah, like a primer much. issue, setting setting up things that are going to be... But, you know, they're taking their time. It's a 12-issue series, right? So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, but, it's but also... Th- this isn't fair. This isn't, fa- this isn't a fair criticism for me to give this book. And it's something that is part of the fucking built into the, built into the Watchmen thing. It's just, I... I am kind of just like sick of like very thinly veiled commentary on society right now. Yeah, I'm right there with you, bud. Yeah, <laughs> like I, like in like in like when in the 80s and shit when the book came out, it had that too. It was like this crap. It was this horrible like worst timeline extrapolation from where things were. Yeah, it was the Reagan era, I believe, right when it Nixon. came out or Nixon or Nixon. Okay, no, was it was it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it might it might have been like post Nixon or something. But all I know was all I know is that in that thing, Nixon was having his third term. Okay. Yeah. And it was during the Vietnam War. It was during fucking the Cold War. So it might have come out during Reagan, immediately after Nixon. I'm not sure. I don't. Yeah, I think it was I don't post, follow president it was, chronology. It was probably post Reagan era then. Yeah, you're right. That's probably the yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so it was pulling a lot from the times then. Like, hey, rip from the headlines, or extra- or at the very least, extrapolated from the headlines. Sure. And this is set in that same time period. Like, I think this take- I think this like takes place like in the nineties or so. Because uh like because like the so the story that they mention they mentioned um something that Ozymandias did in eighty nine in the past, so it's at least in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And it's being written and talked about in the Rorschach Eternal Monologue like it's today. Yeah, I um, I wouldn't say I can't say other than the nine panel grid breakdown that I would uh, that Jeff Johns was trying to emulate the way Ellen Moore writes, except for the Rorschach Journal entry section, which I did not enjoy. Actually, I didn't love how like I get it for that character. You kind of got to. But here's the thing, like that, it's not I guess. that character. I know. No, I know. It's a completely different Warshak, uh, you know, uh, which is what we find out, but we don't know who he is yet. But he's a black man. Yeah. Because so, he has a – yeah, anyways, yeah. Yeah, so um, the story, for those who don't know, it takes place sometime after the events of Watchmen. Um, Osmandius, his whole plan of psychic squid bombing New York worked for a bit. Then it guts out. 
Because of course it does. Yeah, but like Rorschach's journal, it actually had like some impact out there. The that that newspaper got sent to, I guess, ran the story <laughs> that exposed everything that happened and and made Osmandius one of the most wanted men in the wanted men in the planet. Things started heating back up again. Everything started going fucking nuts. And then Rorschach went into a prison to break out the mime and the marionette. A, I guess, super villain? So, super criminal? So if I can just interject for a second. Yeah. Uh, so uh, these characters, I didn't know who they were based off of. So I actually did a little bit of research. And I found out that he, Jeff Johns is basically doing the same thing where he's appropriating like different... Charlton characters uh, like Alan Moore did, and these are based off characters back from Charlton called Punch and Julie. And these characters are characters that Steve Ditko drew for Charlton years ago, and apparently that's who these characters are based off of. Okay. So he he's doing the same thing where he's taking uh, characters in the DCU and, and kind of using like their past Charlton selves as like a, like a, a way to work these characters in. Like, like the, I think this might be, you remember those characters during Batman, Tom King's run? Uh, yeah. Like, the, yeah, the punch and Julia were in that. Right. That's that they're based off Charlton characters. So I believe that's who these people are, are based off. No, of. we're, we're uh, no punch and Julie are the Charlton characters. Sorry. The mime and the marionette then maybe are the, are the, it has something to do with Charlton, these yeah, characters. Punch and apparently. Julie are Charlton characters, made by Steve right. Ditko. And right. then Mime and Marionette, I guess, are based off of those guys. Right. That's what I meant. That's, yeah, that's that's who these characters are basically, like, he's using them as, uh... So that's interesting. I didn't know that when I read this. I kind of, I was trying to find out more about it, because I'm like, who are these people? Like, why is he kind of interacting with them? There must be some sort of importance of them. Yeah, that's like, why. hey, fucking... Yeah. I guess big ups to John's for like trying. It's cool. I I mean I'm glad to to have actually went and actually had to look like look for some information on something like that's why I've only read this once. I'm probably going to do another read before the next issue because I think there's a lot going on that you can probably take away from this that we actually haven't. You know, it's not full. You can't see the full picture as of yet of what's yeah. going on right now. Anyways, yeah, go on. Yeah, so after Rorschach breaks two of them out, uh, he takes them to Night Owl's lair, where turns out Osmandius is hanging out. He's like, hey, I got this plan going. We're going to go find fucking Dr. Manhattan, do this shit. BT dubs, I have cancer. Mm -hmm. And then hard cut to Smallville. Where, so do you think that the cancer is related to Dr. Manhattan? I mean, yeah, like he said, he says, Most this, likely, he says right? another reminder of my mistake. I think it might be a brain tumor, too. Oh, no, yeah, he says, you know, he has brain cancer. And yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is from the thing that like gave that he gave to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like just, oh, hey, I did this thing and then I got exposed to the same shit I exposed these assholes to. So now I have mm-hmm. cancer. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty. uh smart route to take like you know what i mean like without actually diving too much into the old watchman stuff is kind of taking some some of the the strings left over and kind of running with it you know what i mean like from like stuff that for the watchman series kind of ended like it was something easy for him to kind of grasp onto and 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 use yeah but i feel like it would have been i feel like it would have been like way more like the implication of it is that it got is that he got it from not natural means and it would have been way funnier if he had got it from like completely naturally like, like he was like naturally predisposed to cancer, 
Right. Yeah, that's would be quite tragic if that's the case. Although, yeah, just it's a not really fully explained. Joke on him. Right. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, it's these are a lot of things that you kind of got to pick up for yourself and interpret for yourself. Like, the, it's not like he said, hey, this is what exactly yeah, yeah, what happened. Yeah, it's not. Like, it's not like, oh, I got cancer because of the thing I did to those people. It's just right. I have cancer, a reminder of my mistake. Right. Which implication is, yo, I gave people cancer and now I got cancer. Right. So, like, the fact that he's kind of dancing around some of this stuff, I, I thought was pretty, like, it's, he's approaching it well, at least, so far. Yeah, I, I actually think, I right? actually do hope that it is, like, a, like, it is, like, for realsies cancer, and then, like, fucking Silk Spectre as the comedian shows up and just laughs at him. <laughs> just go super fucking dark with it, just, like, embrace the comedian. Mm-hmm. That was his whole thing, just... Right. Yeah, yeah, life like, is a yeah, joke. He was, yeah, he was not comedian yeah. in the sense of like, yo, I'm making jokes. <laughs> it was more right. it was more the sense of he was just a super nihilist who thought everything was fucking yeah. a joke. The, the tragic joke, like life. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's... fuck, that's what killed him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, so cut to Smallville where Clark is, where Clark, we have teenage Clark Kent being a real mopey emo asshole. He's like, oh, I want to go do super stuff. And his dad's like, no, fucking be cool, dude. And then his dad dies. Okay. Or so, I, I guess, I guess it's like parents <laughs> die. Okay. I have an issue with this. Um, has this been established yet in the new rebirth? Like yes. this is how yes, his parents yep, died? Yep, his parents are dead. No, but have, is this – have they explained that this is how they died as of yet? Because I don't uh, remember this happening have, in Superman. They, they have not explained this as of yet, but they have, they have like shown that they both are dead. Right. Right, right. On the other Earth that he came from, like the original Superman. Like, I no, know no, that not e- no, not even that. In New Fifty Two. No, but is is this is this the Rebirth Superman right now? That I, we're wait, no, at? yeah, this is Rebirth Superman. So yeah, right. I, I have no fucking idea. That's what I mean. That's what, what I'm saying. Like, yes, God that was established. This bullshit. Right, because so that was the one thing I had a, a, an issue, semi issue with in this issue was the fact that. I don't know where that came from. No, like, like I don't know I, if it's I, I'm John's. I'm pretty sure it just, came from. I think he may have said his parents were dead on the Earth that he came from, but I don't think it's been explained up to this point. I, I know, I know that on. Title. I know that from what I remember, like pre fifty two, Superman, he, which is what this guy is. Right. His dad was dead. I don't know about his mom. Hmm. But now this is saying they're both dead, right? Yeah, so. it could be. That, that was my one question. Yeah, it, it I didn't be, know if you knew. I don't potentially, know. Potentially, maybe Dr. Manhattan is like fucking rewriting his memory. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you're not the guy I made. Let's fucking tweak you. Right. Because, I mean, that was the only, that was the one thing they've already basically said was that Dr. Manhattan is basically the reason that New 52 is fucked. Yeah. Because he was basically rewriting time. Going all the way fucking back to Flashpoint. It, it's almost as like the, 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 the connections they've been trying to establish. It's almost as if like they're trying to uh, p- uh, make it seem like Jeff Johns is like a mastermind fucking like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, he's, like he's this, been planning. Like, this is some like Jonathan Hickman-esque nine-year plan. <laughs> right, right. Right, <laughs> which is not the case. <laughs> no, it isn't. It is. It is. He, it is. They made New Fifty Two. They realized it fucking sucked. Course corrected to course corrected to uh, course corrected to DCU. Realized that was fucked. Course corrected again to DC Rebirth, which everybody seemed to like, and is now saying yes, this was the plan the entire time. But you know what? I I I for me, like, <laughs> they're making it work on some level in terms of actually saying, hey, guess what? Uh, I know a lot of people are pissed that they kind of putting the Watchmen into the DCU, but at this point, I don't really give a fuck. Like, it's not sacred to me. Like, it is like 
uh, a lot of other people. Yeah, like, no, I think it's, it's like it's stupid, you know I mean? and it's stupid and very much a hail mary for let's get people interested in comics again. But absolutely, and let's do a kind of a money grab. But if they pull off a successful, enjoyable story for myself, I don't really give a shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Plus, like that's and plus, uh, this is the least heinous thing DC has done with the Watchmen so far. I mean, a lot of people would say before Watchmen was even worse than this. And I yeah, think like before have. Watchmen, and then also what they've done to Alan Moore. Oh yeah, absolutely. well, like, like DC Comics <laughs> is a very big reason as to why he became a comic hermit, right? And why like everything everything he's written pre Avatar Press is now just quote now just like attributed to the original author. Yeah, Miracle Man they brought back. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Anyways, but that's yeah. The, the weirdest line, the, the weirdest bit in this for me though was when he it was like Superman wakes up, like Clark wakes up next to Lois, and he's like floating in the air because of a bad dream, which is hit, watching, which is watching his parents die, and, and then he's like, "Oh, did you have a bad dream?" It's like, "Yeah, but it's weird. I've never had a bad dream before." And I was like, "Bitch!" <laughs> I explicitly remember him having nightmares about something. I mean, that may have been the new. I, th- I remember the new Fifty Two version towards the end was because he was having the nightmares about him dying. Right? Wasn't that? No, I, I remember. I do. I remember like some pre Fifty Two shit. Okay. It might have just been like a fucking like. It might have been like an animated thing, but I do remember Superman having nightmares. Mm-hmm. Like one of his superpowers isn't he always has good dreams. <laughs> Or maybe it might have been from like fucking like Silver Age, but I don't know. Maybe there was a lot of wacky shit back then. Yeah, I mean, Superman's basic powers in the Silver Age was he can do anything except stuff he hasn't tried yet. All right. I, uh, but overall, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was uh, well paced. I thought the Gary Frank art was good. Oh, I don't yeah. think he's oh, yeah. the... Gary Frank is the fucking best thing about <clears throat> this book. <clears throat> I think for me, his the 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 faces like the actual expressions that he's captured on some of these characters in these scenes he did an excellent job with like that's the one thing that stands out i think the most for me like just the the looks and the expressions on some of these people's faces like oh yeah um but i don't think his art's great don't get me wrong it looks it looks great and he obviously had a lot of time to kind of do this because he's not the fastest of artists so i'm sure they gave him a lot of lead time and doing this but um the one thing is i don't think his art complements the nine panel grid style though i think that his he he needs a little bit more room to breathe in a lot of these scenes you know what i mean like yeah no i get it everything everything's a lot of like really tight shots <clears throat> yeah, which I think you're losing something a little bit with his art. Although, when it's kind of a lot of talking head type moments, it looks great. Like, everything everything looks great, but yeah. I, those were uh, really the ones for speaking me. Speaking of that, talking heads, that fucking yeah. news bit was, uh, was one start? of the most fucking terrifying things I've read in a comic book. At the start of the comic, you mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, at, the, yeah. at the beginning of the comic, um, after we get the Rorschach bit diatribe and people fucking like a mob of assholes invading fucking Vite Enterprises, mm-hmm. uh, we we get to see like newsfeed of like of, like people explaining the backstory of what happened and saying that hey, Osmandius, his shit got revealed and everything's going fucking nuts. And then just it's just like a panel of like hey, signing off, signing off, signing off. And then all of a sudden, every TV there's like nine bubbles doing the exact same things from the exact same network, which is state-sponsored media. And ever since that fucking racist candy corn took over, that has been one of my nightmares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, I know. It's it's definitely foreshadowing a lot of stuff that is going on today and a lot of fears that – which, you know, I agree with you. I think that's a – that's a thing. He's trying to be of – like just like the original Watchmen oh, yeah, again. He's, he's trying to be of the times. Of which, the time, but it's depressing. Like it's – you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, – like, it like, is – it's like with fucking – I feel like with the original Watchmen, it was far enough removed from reality that it wasn't – that it wasn't like super just fucking on your ass about things. And also mm-hmm. even with things being as apocalyptic as potentially apocalyptic as they were during the cold war, there was still like that level of just, of just like everybody's on drugs or something, or they just don't give a fuck where like, yeah, the world's about to end, but like, fuck it. Well, yeah, there was a lot of, yeah, like, um, like the cold war fucking tension and hysteria yeah. was a relatively small aspect of the eighties. Well, that's what I mean. Like, there was a lot of fear that came of that whole situation. But even though it's called the Cold War, there was no actual bi- real big war to speak of. Yeah, no, it was, it just, was just it was just more threats and things going on back and forth to each other, and the bomb looming overhead of them. Right? Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, there it was, was it was, like yeah. a, it was a sword of Damocles. Whereas this one is just fuck, man. No, I know it's. Um... And again, this could yeah, just be because it could just be because this is the time we live in, right? And it and the, it could just be just because we are currently in the middle of it. Seeing that, seeing that reiterated in our superhero fiction, especially at this level of just fucking Watchmen non hope, mm-hmm. it is. It's a bit much. Mm-hmm. But again, no, that could just I, be me. I, 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 no, no, I totally agree. Yeah, that could just that be was, us. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, are we going to actually look back on this and be like, if it does turn out to be like a good story, or if we were to ever go back and read it, let's say, are you going to like kind of look at those scenes and kind of dread like kind of what they were talking about and and remember the time that we're living in right now? You know what I mean? Like, because I think if you were to go back and read Watchmen. It's it, it's okay now because we're so far ahead of what yeah, was being portrayed at yeah, that it's time. Like, it's, like, it's a couple decades past, but with this, I feel like it, with this, I feel like it would be if it if it does turn out to be a really good story, it would be something I would have to read at least a couple years removed from right now. Oh, absolutely! Like yeah. it would it would need to be like like after the fucking after the fucking annoying orange in the White House gets fucking impeached or like. Gets fucking, gets fucking like smothered to death with Russian, with Russian prostitute urine. <laughs> Just after he is gone and everything is back on track. But like right now, all the horrible sex shit happening, everything Trump has ever said, the fucking just like net neutrality happening right now, which is just like some other level of stress on it. Not, not indicative yeah. in the book. It's just something else that is fucking weighing everybody down. Yeah. You don't want this in your comics as well. I, I, that's where I'm coming from, at least. Like, yeah, I like, don't... like, I like, I can still enjoy a dark comic. I can still enjoy like some fucking like weird thing holding up fucking mirror to fucking society or whatever. Like, I'm still reading Jeff Lemire. Right. <laughs> but it's there's a point. Yeah. 
No, I mean, at least for me, like, comics is an escapism for me. Like, I enjoy them for that, for that reason. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, to, to get lost in the our stories, these stories yeah. and this art and to be reminded of something. I mean, not to make the comparison because the other thing was much, much more awful and on many different levels, but this is again, even going back to how it was started to hate the, um, the uh what do you call it? the Sam Wilson cap series yeah. it was way there was too many things going on in that story and that he was commenting on that I didn't feel comfortable in him making comments on and appropriating for the comic yeah that I just stopped reading it I was I was like I've had enough I had my fill you know what I mean like yeah. I'm like I don't yeah. need and to I'm, read comics about yeah this and then I fucking well. and then I read that first issue of the fucking new thing and I was like oh no yeah because the new so, thing is like all the fucking all the fucking horrible violence happening in fucking Chicago is because of the son of Satan. Who is white? Right. It was like, yeah. oh, I. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Thank there's you, but a no, way, thank you. Yeah, like there's a way of approaching those type of things. I think, like in this sense, with the Watchmen, as long as the whole story doesn't revolve around everything that's going, like obviously it is in the like it, the comic opens up with it. I mean, yeah, like you know, opens up with a fucking angry mob throwing Molotov yeah. cocktails at a fucking industrial <clears throat> building. Like, unfortunately, I think we're not going to be able like it's always going to be in the backdrop of this story yeah. i think going forward but that being said as long as they kind of don't make that the main focus of this story i'm okay with it like but if it, going going forward it seems like it might be seems like it might be a split focus yeah with, with like some stuff happening in like the watchman world and all that shit and then the other and then that and the other thing being the repercussions of what's happening in the dc universe but do you blame him for doing it? Because, oh no, not at all. Like you is, know what I mean? Like not at all. It, like I said, Watchmen was extrapolated from the headlines, and right. this is extrapolated not quite as far from the headlines. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I, I do I do not blame Jeff Johns for this at all. It is he he was tr- he is trying to do his the best he can to write Watchmen, mm-hmm. but he can't right. write Watchmen do, as it was because it's not that time anymore. Right. Right. So he kind of has to use what he has, which isn't the greatest of subjects for us at this point in time. Yeah. So I had, so yeah, no, that's what I mean. It kind of works both ways, but I, 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 yeah, like I'm with you. I'd rather less of it than more of it in this particular series because it does hit home a little bit, you know, some of these themes. And, uh, but yeah. This is the anyway. weirdest goddamn discussion we've had about a comic, mainly because it is more in depth analysis than I think we've ever done. Something like this, though, I think, and I'm glad to to say it, it does deserve it, and it is worth the discussion if done what right. Oh no, like, I'm I'm, I, yeah, I'm a, aware it is. It's just it's yeah. very bizarre. Sure, talking about talking about the fucking politics. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it does open up a, a larger discussion, right? And I think oh, that's yeah. what Watchmen, the original, did in a lot of ways for certain things, right? So that's. Uh, but yeah, this is no Watchmen, but I I did enjoy this first issue. I I thought the Rorschach moments for me were were <laughs> the the fact that he, he the mime. There's a part where Rorschach he comes and he he gets them out of the uh, prison that they're in. <laughs> so he gets there, he gets the marionette out. He fucking they they kill brutally kill, or beat the shit out of some guy, and then he just like um. He's like, okay, I need to get my my husband or whatever the, the, the mime, and he's like, ah, oh, he's all right. We don't have time. The watch isn't working right. Okay, let's go. Let's get him then. So they go there and get him, and then he's like, oh, he needs his weapons. He's like, oh, he's like, okay, fuck, all right, let's get his weapons now. And then there's a scene where he goes to this safe and he's taking out he's taking out the 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 weapons like of his, and yeah. they're basically he's just grabbing nothing. Yeah, they're nothing because he's a mime. <laughs> 
yeah. So it's, and, and, there, and, there's so point, he, and there's a point where he holds Rorschach up at imaginary gunpoint. Yeah, and he's walking ahead of it. Rorschach's like, "Don't do that! <laughs> don't, 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 yeah, like, don't a, point!" It's like that's annoying. Please stop. No, my favorite line though for me, which is nice to get a little bit of a laugh out of a Watchmen comic, I actually appreciated it. Was he grabs his stuff and he kind of like almost like looks like he's grabbing a pistol and oh, no, then like, he, he, it shows him fucking like loading a fucking clip into a goddamn right, cat, right? And then he just Rorschach just looks over at him. He's like, "You have big problems." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the fact that Rorschach is saying that to him, just thought, or this version of Rorschach, I just thought was really funny. Also, it just kind of clicked to me the fucking clock motif. Like, like yeah, it was, like it was <clears throat> the stopwatch or whatever he had. The um, yeah, no, like like, it, like Rorschach will watch, like talking about it and stuff. Like, oh yeah, maybe we need to get that fixed and stuff. I completely forgot that fucking Doctor Manhattan before he did all that shit was fucking fixing watches, mm-hmm. or like his dad was anyway. That's what I mean. I think I need to reread this because I think there's a lot of little details that are kind of falling by the wayside, like for me at least. And like, and did you notice that he's got the um, the links? It's a it's a baby links now yeah, because yeah, the it's, dead, a, it's, the, the, yeah, it's the a little baby one. links. Yeah, he's got a little the, baby fucking genetically altered links because he killed the other, his other one. That's right. Yeah. So that it's just little things like that. You're, you, I think that they're done well. They're kind of telling the story through the art without actually explaining everything to you but yeah, they want they're kind of which is good i appreciate them trying to give the readers some credit like you know what i mean like if you're familiar yeah. with watchmen you'll maybe notice these things and take what you want from it you know what i mean like be like but if you don't then that's okay too like i think they're just telling a story right but, yeah they kind of do that with a cover too like the um alternate cover the one with um the one with superman and dr manhattan on it it shows Superman like either falling apart or being put together with watch pieces. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that cover, which That's I think, cool. which I think like goes into what what the series is going to be about, which is Doctor Manhattan trying to fucking rewrite Superman. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's what they've been kind of hinting towards that it's going to be a Superman Doctor Manhattan showdown because really, who can take on Doctor Manhattan? Really, Superman shouldn't be able to take on Doctor Manhattan. You know what I mean? Yeah. But- well, we all know it's Mister Mix a Spitlick. That's right. <laughs> he and um, Batmite are gonna just fucking go nuts on the on the go nuts on that blue motherfucker, <laughs> because both of them are god level entities. Yeah. Also, there's um in the I don't know if you t- you had a chance. But there was some d- back matter which they kind of did with like uh, the whole Watchmen prose thing, where it kind of has some newspaper articles. Yeah. And there's a couple of things I didn't read the whole thing, but I was just kind of flipping through it, and there's a couple of things that. Uh, pointed out to me, uh, like uh, stood out to me about it was um, there was a menu to the uh, Morning Joe's diner that Rorschach, this version of Rorschach, was kind of um, at at the start of the issue. Yeah, uh, and then also there's a ad for a watch uh, company, a Schroeder, Schrodinger's Clock and Watch Repair, <laughs> like Schrodinger. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was pretty clever, oh, like that little that little. Well, I thought it was kind of cool that they kind of no, no, like, like, yeah, like. Th- like yeah, but like fuck you. Yeah, no, I know, I know, but you know that's why it's in the back matter. It's not yeah. like if you didn't if you didn't read it or it's kind of just there for you to kind of like an amusing little thing. So I, yeah, I, I did. Hey, you guys like, like science? You know the name Schrodinger? Yeah, like clocks. <laughs> does does this clock work or not? You'll find out, maybe. <laughs> and then you have the whole. Um, uh, yeah, the whole mime moment, the whole scene, that was my favorite part of the issue. The whole scene of basically Rorschach 
breaking these two out. And, uh, and yeah, we don't know where they're headed. Uh, the, he's in a rush. The clock is not working. It's not, uh, it's not, um, well, they, they, we do know where they're headed. They went to Ozymandias, but we yeah. don't really know what's to come of that as of yet. But, um, this is a different Rorschach than we are used to, though. There is a scene where he's facing Ozymandias and his glove is off. And then he, you see a black hand and they're, and they've, re- they referenced the fact that he isn't the original Rorschach earlier in the thing where Marionette was talking to him even as well. That he's not the original Rorschach. Like people, yeah, that, that was when he that was when he first took off the glove, right? Oh, so was it with her? Or was it with Osmanius that he? It was. It was with. It was with her. Like uh, she. Oh, okay. Yeah, like right. she. Like, like she was like, hey, I thought you were fucking dead. It's like it's like not me, different Rorschach. Like like same name, different guy. And it's like fucking prove it. Takes off his glove. It's the black hand. It's like oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wonder who that is. I don't know what the what the deal is with that. And, yeah, and I don't know. Nor, nor do we know what universe. Like they haven't even established because the two scenes were different with the Superman at the end and this Watchmen stuff. We don't even know if this is in the main DCU at this point or not yet. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Like are they showing you from a different Earth at this point? I'm pretty. I'm pretty uh, sure. Like uh, I'm pretty sure. Like what it is is that Watchmen takes place in a different Earth. Right, and then I guess the two are going to come together at some point, maybe in the next couple of issues, because, like, in this one, they were very removed from each other. Like, the Superman scene at the end had nothing to do with anything that was going on. Yeah, no, it was the, just, it was just, yeah. hey, we're going to go find God. Remember that, remember, remember that line at the end of Watchmen where he said, I'm going to go make my own universe. Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he's in that, and then cut to the multiverse or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, that seems to be the thing of... This seems, this seems to be the thing where very much they are taking that last line and meaning that, meaning that fucking Doctor Manhattan made the DC universe, mm. or at the very or at the very least made the New Fifty Two universe and that going forward. Right. I, I think it's I think it's funny though that Ozymandias, as smart as he is, cannot stop what's happening to him at this point. It's very ironic, like the fact that like, yep, that's you know the joke. what I mean, like. Right. That's the cruel joke. Yeah, exactly. That's so that's what I mean. I, I think they're definitely hitting some themes that Watchmen did have so far, even in this first issue. And and like like I said, the first time I read it through, I was like, yeah, that was fine. Like it was kind of like a zero issue almost like in that sense. Like it, we're so used to expecting big fucking things now with these events like, oh, a bunch of shit has to happen this issue. But this wasn't that. But the more you think about it and the more we've discussed it now, like I've learned to appreciate it even more so than like I thought it was well done. Like I, I, I had no problem with it, but it's not like the best thing ever yet. But it, it was good. I thought yeah. I don't know. You, 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 you it, it was I fine. Think, it, it was fine. Yeah. It right. It felt very much like, hey, we're going to do Watchmen, but not as good. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, like even, even like given like anything else you have to say about fucking Watchmen, it's a it's like a very it's a very good book. Oh yeah, like, well, even absolutely. now. Yeah. So yeah, just like fucking going through like the Watchmen ideas and stuff, but just without as deft a hand or as like cutting a social commentary on it. You know, like, like th- there is a reason that this book does not extrapolate out as far as OG Watchmen did. It's because I don't mm-hmm. know Jeff Johns is capable of like getting that far out. Oh yeah. No, Jeff Johns, I mean, Jeff Johns is not as good of a writer as Alan Moore is. Like that, I, I don't think he's trying to say he is, or and I don't think anybody thinks that. But I think he's doing a fine job so far. With, with you know, I, I just 
but he has to be careful. Like it's a very big undertaking. Like he can't just yeah. go in there and start changing things. Yeah, you, like, you, about, you can't just like, Jeff like, Johns it up. Right. <laughs> at least I hope he does it. Like I really, I mean, you know, I would be very disappointed. I want this to be uh, uh, enjoyable. Like I'm not, and, and I'm on board. I'm not against it. I'm not one of those people who's like, I'm refusing to read that. Listen, you're always going to have Watchmen. Nothing's going to change about that story. Like it's always going to be there for you to enjoy. But, you know, like I'm surprised it took them this long to fucking do this. Like, you know, it, it, you know, all truth being told like it, it, it right like it, yeah. i'm surprised they didn't do this sooner like yeah it's, give, given what given what fucking horrors they are for their goddamn properties it is amazing that it's taken them this long to do this shit and like even the fucking like re-release of the of the like original fucking like 12 issues that was fucking surprising it took them that long mm-hmm. yeah because for those who don't remember uh dc comics is either already releasing or at some point will be releasing uh all twelve issues of Watchmen in their own in their own individualized goddamn hardcover co- hardcover copies. <clears throat> oh no, that's out already. Yeah, okay, it's a yeah, box set. yeah. So they it did that. Out. They released yeah. each issue as its own individual hardcover issue, and Alan Moore didn't make a fucking penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's similar uh, to what they basically just did with the Batman, the new um, Dark Knight three. They basically were releasing it in a hardcover version each issue, and then doing the uh, issue. Uh, the the floppy version, like a couple weeks later, this is basically the same thing. Each first issue is presented, but in reverse. In, that's right, yeah. And it was just in one box set that you could buy it. So. Yeah, they already released the full trade, but I was like, hey, what if you? What if each volume had it? What if each issue <laughs> right. had its own fucking cover? Also, it costs like five hundred dollars, and it's in this fucking slipbook. And buy it, you fucks. <clears throat> yeah, it's like I think it was like a hundred and fifty bucks or so. It, it was yeah. kind of ridiculous. Who's Alan Moore? We don't know. <laughs> This was written by the original author. Mm-hmm. Eat my so. ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that whole story is unfortunate, but uh, yeah, it's it's also something that we've seen forever in comics. Yeah, I mean, for him in particular, though. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this on the on the show, though. But just to just quickly mention it again. The most fucked up situation for him, though, is the fact that a trade paperback did not exist when he yeah. signed. Yeah, he made that he that. made that deal, <clears throat> and it was very specifically like, "Hey, this is a deal for everything, like every kind of medium right. that exists right now." So, if they really had that idea in the back their back pocket that whole fucking time that we're going to basically create a new medium just to sell the shit out of this for years. Oh yeah, it's bad faith, right? And that's, that's and comics. that's that's comics publishing. Right. Right. And, 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 and I've, I've seen interviews with him. If you ever are interested in this, there's plenty of fucking, uh, uh interviews on YouTube that you can check online, uh, to the listeners, uh, regarding this where he's talked candidly about it. And he basically said like he knew what he was getting into and he, he was aware, but what he was not aware of was the fact that they basically, yeah, lost his trust because they blindsided him with this move because he was under the impression that these characters would revert back to him after they went out of print. Which yeah. was what the contract said. So I don't think anybody can blame him for basically uh, going into this thinking that it was not going to turn out that way. Like, right? Like, you can't say that, you know, he should have known better because no, that's yeah, he, fucked he up. He couldn't have known better. Right. Right. So that's that's the most amazing thing to me about that story was the fact that 
uh, that's how it went down. Like, so, you know, it's, it's not as if they, he was like, at that point, creators were aware that they didn't, there were, there had already been so many incident, incidences before, uh, before that where people have got screwed over for him to know. Oh yeah. But DC th- th- is like the right. fucking biggest offender of that shit. Like they have fucked <clears throat> over so many creators. Mm-hmm. Like look at what they Although- did to the fucking Siegel family. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and, and appara- but apparently at least nowadays in terms of the movie, uh, rights and actually giving thanks and the whole, the whole Bill Finger thing that happened with Batman recently after he's fucking finally admitted that he had a big part in the, in the creation of Batman and everything that came with that. Um, yeah, there's, there has been a lot of writing of certain wrongs, but that's just one you can never go back on is the Watchmen thing. Like they're, um, so yeah, I mean, they just kind of, they just solved the Kirby thing out of court finally. And that's why you're seeing all this Jack Kirby stuff being reprinted. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, so like, I'm not, you know, not it's taken them a fucking long time to kind of to solve some of these issues, but um, way too long, you know, right? Absolutely, and uh, but I, but I, I've heard uh, historically though they do pay people for their creations in terms of like the movie stuff and things. Now uh, they they get money off of it. Certain people uh, way more than Marvel uh, people get, which is funny. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know. The whole thing sucks. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I thought this was decent, so I'm looking forward to more. I'm yeah. assuming we'll be talking about it as they come out. On oh, the absolutely. Show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is the biggest thing to happen to DC in years. Mm-hmm. Anyway, see, that's Doomsday Clock. Yeah. So getting into the regular spin of things, Nika, what have you been reading? All right, so this is uh, might come as a shock, but uh, let's talk about some uh, because of how late I am to the party with this one. Let's talk about some uh, Batman and Robin New Fifty Two. Yes, let's. <laughs> uh, I think you yourself included have stated on the show that you had enjoyed this series, and when it first came out with New Fifty Two, I had read the first arc, which I think was about eight issues. The um, the the one where he kills. Um, What's his name? Uh, nobody. 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 Yes. So the first first uh, arc of New Fifty Two, uh, Batman and Robin, was basically um, right between before New Fifty Two is when uh, Bruce actually came back as Batman. It was a when Damian kind of first started out there for the first little while. It was uh, it was uh, what's his name? Dick Grayson, who was Batman. So the original Batman and Robin that you've seen. Uh, the series that uh, was before this one, a lot of it was uh, like the Grant Morrison stuff. That was actually uh, Dick Grayson, uh, yeah. Some of the, at some point. Um, so, so this was kind of like the what started out the whole actual father son relationship between these two characters. Uh, something that uh, Peter Tomasi, who was the writer of this, and the and Patrick Gleason, who was co wrote and was the artist on majority of this series with him uh not co-wrote but uh he has co-written stuff with him moved on uh, to do superman now which is the and super sons the, or at least yes or the, at least part of it that's right which has been you know i've been ra- we've been raving about on the show how much i really enjoyed that when it when the series started and yeah. how how much i love the father-son relationship in this and the next uh, issue we're getting the fucking we're getting the fucking story about the goddamn dogs oh is that right yeah yeah there's, there's gonna be an issue about the super pets Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crypto Super Dog and Titus the Bat Hound. And Bat Cow is there for a bit. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and it turns, yes, out, it turns out Bat Cow and Crypto, like bros. 
<laughs> I'm actually looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, the, co- um, the cover is Titus and Crypto just pulling Damien and John along behind them as he's like, oh, God, what are we doing? <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. It's great. This is going to be so um, fucking t- dumb, and I love it. Titus actually, uh, speaking of Titus, shows up in this first uh, initial arc of Batman and Robin within yeah. the first eight issues, and and um, that's where he was first brought. I, and so I just felt I owed it to myself to go back and check this book out because I dropped it after the first arc. The first arc was so long; it was the eight issues, and not that I didn't enjoy it, but at that time, a lot of things weren't clicking. For, that's around the time at the end of the first year, New Fifty Two. A lot of things weren't that great already at that point. So for whatever reason, I ended up dropping this with some of the other books at that time I was dropping. Uh, so I liked the Peter Tomasi Superman so much. I felt I owed it to myself uh, to kind of go back and read this characterization where he started with the Damien that we now see in Super Sons that he kind of he brought up through this book along with uh, Bruce. And uh, so, yeah, so I read the first uh, 13 issues. That's a, including the zero issue. Um, and I also read three issues that he wrote, uh, of Batman and Robin that's 20 to 22. And that was the end of the, the Grant Morrison Batman and Robin run before New 52 launched. Uh, that was the end of that run. He came on and wrote a couple of the, like a short little story at the end of that, uh, yeah. where it starts off with a movie night and he's watching Zorro with all of the Robins in his house, Bruce, which is of course the movie that he, that he saw the night of his parents died. So there was, um, so it started off with that and then it kind of kicked into like a little bit of a flashback mission that Dick and, um, Damien had, uh, at that time with, uh, with a random villain, which I don't think we've seen since then. But anyways, <clears throat> but yeah, this, uh, the Patrick Gleason, Gleason art is, is great. These two work well together from what I've seen on, on Superman and other, other things they've done. And, uh, I really enjoyed this, uh, first, uh, 13 issues of the series. Uh, it still holds up even with uh, a lot of the, there's a couple of issues that kind of are weird to read now, like for me, cause like for instance, number nine was a night of the owls tie in. Um, which at this point in time, since it's been so long since that, then um, it doesn't really hold a lot of weight that it probably would have at that point. So it was yeah. okay. Um, the Nobody uh, arc was important because at the end of the Nobody arc, he ends up killing the uh, Nobody, who is this person that trained uh, with Bruce years in his past, like when he was kind of going around the world and being trained by certain people. And, uh, yeah. and he, was this, he was the son of this uh, assassin who he was basically... Um, he thought that he was being kind of taught by, but at the same time, he didn't know that he was like an assassin still. So he basically had tricked him into learning a lot of techniques from him and then was basically trying to bring him in and he was becoming closer with him as a son. And Ducard was his name. Yeah, Ducard. And yeah. and n- nobody, his actual son, was getting jealous of the relationship that these two were having because it was always difficult. He was always hard on his son. So um, from there, they kind of and, – and then he sent his son to basically – who ends up being nobody after Bruce to, to kill him. So throughout the years, they've always had like uh, an issue with each other. And he basically comes to him now in this storyline – and is basically trying to fuck with his son now the the same way. Yeah, yeah, trying they, to trying to like. Uh, what, what was it like? Was it like, hey, I'm gonna fucking make your son a murderer. Yeah, well, he's pretty much trying to take Damien under his wing because he understands where he's coming from. Because yeah. Damien is kind of un, un un like hinged at this point, like he can't. 
stop him because he's been trained as a killer by Talia. Yeah, of yeah course, he's, he's more League of Assassins right. than Bat Family. Absolutely, absolutely. So he sees that in him and he he admires it. But I think at the same time, he's really just trying to stick it to Bruce because of the wedge that he kind of yeah. put in between. Him yeah, and, it, it's, and like, his it's like, father. hey, buddy, fuck your dad. Your dad's an asshole. Come kill with me. Mm hmm. So, so there's this great moment where it all concludes in the first arc where Bruce kind of comes to save Damien because Damien basically went with hit with nobody and he's, he ends up testing him to see if he's kind of just, you know, if he's on the level or not. And if he really just wants to go with him because he's pissed off at his father and, and, and that is the case, but he's using actual real life situations that he's having with his father to trick nobody and nobody hands him a gun and he says to kill somebody and he goes and pushes the trigger on the gun and it fires, but nothing actually comes out. Uh, it wasn't loaded and he tricks him and he basically tells him afterwards, you know, the obvious, oh yeah, I could feel that there was no bullet in it because I know the weight of this gun, blah, blah, blah. But he basically ends up fooling him and then turning against him and he beats him within like an inch of his life, basically. And Bruce, um, hears this happening and fucking runs to his safety to, to kind of, to save his son and dips nobody almost in acid like he starts to basically dip him in acid like his because there's like a pool of acid where they are when he meets them and and uh, he starts like to singe his body and he fucking has to stop from going over the edge and, and just killing him at that moment because he's like you thought you could you could mess with my son and you'd survive like he fucking like he and he goes into a fit of rage right and then uh, Damien kind of comes after that and, and then he, he learned this move where he hits somebody in between the, the eyes, like a pressure point, and it basically can put them unconscious, but if you do it too hard, it will kill them. Mm-hmm. And, and and then he does that, and his fucking hand just basically drives right into his head, and, and he ends up killing him. And and then and then he's and then he basically the, the issue just ends. It's like, oh, forgive me, father. Like I have sinned. Like he basically like one of those. Like and he's just standing over his dead body, and Bruce is just shocked at what went down. And 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 from there, he basically used it as to say, like, listen, I, I you saw what happened there. Like I have to keep myself at bay all the time like you don't think i'm ever kind of lose my cool and want to kill people like this he's like yeah so you need to do learn to do the same and he and he kind of he goes from there and he doesn't really tell the whole group at this point basically what had happened between those two he kind of keeps it between him and uh, alfred and yeah uh, you know like batman do yes and then uh and then and then after the night of the owls you get an issue of the um the one, this, the issue where um, it's the War of the Robins, where he, dec- which <laughs> yeah, is a fun one as well. Of the Robins, yeah. <laughs> it's a little fun one where Damien declares that he's going to take down like Nightwing and yeah, take down. It's like, Red, it's like Red Robin. I'm the bestest Robin, so fuck all y'alls. <laughs> uh, he like, my he, like breaks into Jason's apartment and like leaves a crowbar yeah, on his bed. Yes, I was just about to say that's my favorite scene of that whole little. And yeah, he's just like, like a what little the fuck. <laughs> which is you know uh hearkening back to the uh death in the family yeah, hearkening back Joker's- to the most traumatic event in that man's life absolutely where he dies he died yeah it'd be, and, yeah, it'd, yeah. be like, it'd be like fucking uh it'd be like nightwing walking into his house and then all of a sudden just seeing a trapeze set up mm-hmm. <laughs> um or, yeah, or exactly. giving tim drake just like ass loads of boomerangs ass loads of boomerangs Yes, because in uh, the because in um, Identity Crisis, Captain Boomerang killed uh, killed Tim Drake's dad. Oh, it's been a long ass time since I read that. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that, that, right. that is the yeah. that is the only significant tragedy that has happened in Tim Drake's life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot Cause, cause, all about like, that. His mom, like, I think like his mom like died of like natural causes or something. Because because um, 
in that he finds out the identities, yeah, hence identity crisis of all the characters, and that's why he goes after their loved ones, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, um, well no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was specifically that, like, uh, in Identity Crisis, um, Sue Dibney gets killed, mm. and so everybody's it's the elongated out. man. That yeah, does yeah, the elongated it, right? man's yeah. wife. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, she right. gets got. Everybody like starts like freaking out what's going to be happening, and then everybody, and then like all these other fucking pieces are being put into place of like, hey, we got to do this, we got to do this, and then everything keeps happening, and then like Captain Boomerang, he's like trying to reconnect with his kid because he just found out he had a kid, mm-hmm. and and in the process of doing that, he gets a note saying, hey, go kill this guy, or we fucking fuck up your son or something, because it was all a plan set up by I believe it was Ray Palmer's ex-wife. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's been a long ass time since I read that. Yeah, yeah, like she essentially wanted to create all kinds of fucking tension and horrible shit in this fucking in the superhero community in order to drive Ray back to her. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things was, hey, we're gonna have hey, I'm gonna have like this guy, I'm gonna have like Tim's dad get attacked. Which ended up which ended up with the death of both Captain Boomerang and Tim's dad. Mm-hmm. Because because on top of like on top of like uh, sit, telling Captain Boomerang to go kill this guy, she also gave Tim's dad a gun. Mm. Yeah, then they both yeah, got, no, they both got got, and then right, and then fucking Bruce adopts Tim because he's because that's what Bruce do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I forgot all about that. Yeah, that I guess that is the that that is that tragic moment for him, and it kind of came late late in the game, I guess. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because because it, it had to like like Tim Drake right. from the jump was not like any other Robin. He was the most privileged out of everybody. Yeah, well, no, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't yeah. the privileged. It was that he chose to be Robin, like like a like fucking. What's that mean? He was a genius. Yeah, like like, he, like, and he, was, like he came like, from uh, a good family. Yeah, like Dick Grayson, he like he had a he had a pretty good family life. It was just that they got murdered, right? And sort yeah, yeah. So. And then and then that and then that gave Bruce the opportunity to say, "Hey, hey, you want to be my buddy?" Mm. And then with Jason Todd, it was, "Hey, my mom's fucking dead, and I'm fucking I'm fucking trying to like strip the Batmobile." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to? And then he's like, "Hey," he's like, "Hey, street child." You want to be my buddy? <laughs> that was the most weird one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, you tried to fucking strip my car. Put on yeah. these tights and fight crime with me, boy. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. Tim Drake, and then Tim Drake was like, hey, you need a buddy. Yeah, he was the only one who proactively decided to be Robin. Right. Yeah. No. We talked. Yeah, we did talk about that a bit when we talked about the last detective uh, arc last um, episode. Um, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Like he is different in in that sense than everybody else. Right? Yeah, and like he also he had it. a like his dad was alive. Like he had a, he had a decent home life, and it was fucking pretty good. And he didn't then come I did from tragedy like everybody else yeah. did. He came for when Bruce needed it. Yeah, like that's, and then yeah, yeah, like that that was what made him different. He wasn't just mini Batman. Mm-hmm. But then but then Identity Crisis happened, and it turned him into mini Batman, mm-hmm. like every other Robin, except for fucking Damien and mm-hmm. Stephanie. Yes, yeah. yeah. so, for those of those who don't know, Stephanie Brown was Robin for a hot minute. Yeah, like five yeah, before seconds before New Fifty Two. Before New Fifty Two, she had a short-lived series. Uh, yeah, which is actually being recollected uh, right now. The first volume's out. And the well, second no, that's her as Batgirl. I'm talking about she was Robin once. Oh, Stephanie, I thought you said Batgirl. No, nope. Robin. Yeah, she she was Robin for a second. I didn't know that. Yeah, like there was an issue where where Batman was just like hanging out on a rooftop, and then we saw Stephanie Brown, blonde hair and everything, dressed up as Robin. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It was like, hey, is he a Robin now? I, I guess. I don't know. 
Yeah, you know what? I think I have fucking seen that. Yeah, cause I, but I didn't know. Cause, yeah, she was blonde. Yeah, yeah, I think I have seen an issue like that before, actually, that you mentioned it. I totally glazed over that. Yeah, comics are confusing sometimes, guys. Meanwhile, now in fucking New, 50, new meanwhile, now in Rebirth, Stephanie's like just some fucking bitchy person. <laughs> Anarchy showed up again in the newest yeah, issue. Yeah, and Anarchy's like, Anarchy's like super hot. So she's like, yo, fuck Batman. Let's go fucking burn shit. You want to fuck? That's that's one thing I'm actually very disappointed in is the fact that they got rid of Anarchy's original ridiculous costume design. It's so great. <laughs> I actually I love the original Anarchy design. How the the big hood and hat and the fucking cane. Like yeah. it's, there's no more of that, right? I actually wish they brought that back, but um, yeah. he doesn't. Yeah, he's far away from that version at this point. So he's the hipster douche. Uh, yeah, he, he, he's, he's got the mask and a big fucking coat, and is like, "Yo, we want to fucking make out, girl." <laughs> fuck the establishment let's fucking project mayhem dog yeah <laughs> yo my uh, name is robert so yeah. paulson let's do this shit yeah <laughs> so so yeah batman and robin new 52 i'm going to continue reading this whole series now um i have i'm slowly getting up picking up all the issues i haven't put aside and uh yeah so i'm I'm going to yeah. I might talk about it again when it, when I've done reading them. I, I've, I it still holds up. I've enjoyed it, and yeah. uh, I and know in, the, the next zero issue when fucking Damien put on the big bat cowl. Yes, it was goddamn yeah. adorable. Yeah, when he comes out and sees Talia, he's like, "Good mommy, like, I'm a bat." Yeah, I, I liked that little story too. Actually, yeah, that's good that you mentioned that. Um, how on his birthday every year he basically had to go through like a uh, fucking like feats of strength <laughs> like he had to basically yeah. fight his mom like every 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 year to basically learn who his father was and if he ended up winning she would reveal it to so he finally did so on his 10th birthday but that this is after talia sent fucking man bats after him. yeah like, <laughs> like, like she's like bury the lead a bit yeah, um, it was pretty awesome issue though. Yeah, you're you're right. That was a great moment. That zero issue. Um, no, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like when he was like three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was like a little baby, and then and then it's like I mean, like he didn't he didn't even know what a con he didn't even know what a dad was, mm-hmm. and so he just like puts in this, and so you just see this little bit of like fucking baby Damien put on put on the goddamn like bat cowl, and it's just fucking giant on him. He looks like he's wearing his dad's fucking suit. And it was just the fucking cutest goddamn thing. Yeah. He's like, look, I'm a bat. Yeah. He's got, like, his hands a little... Yeah, like, a little fucking, little fucking stubby baby arms coming out from underneath the cape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and mom just right like, mom was just like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to try to murder you in, like, a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. It was also really weird, like, seeing Talia be a mom. Yeah, it's true. She kind of looks at, picks him up, and looks at him lovingly, and says, "Oh, you're you're the future son, and all this stuff after that." So yeah, like, you're the fucking very... you're the one who's going to inherit the fucking demon's head or some bullshit. And then cut <laughs> to sometime later, Damien hates her and wants, to, and everybody wants to murder each other because that's how <laughs> and, Al Ghul's roll. Yeah, and then like every scene, she like tries to really kill him, and then she's like, "Happy birthday!" Like, and, yeah. then, and then all of a sudden, when Batman shows up and she like tells him that his father, like she's like, "Well." You could take him now. I can't deal with him. Yep. He's getting out of hand. Well, he's your fucking kid. Don't teach him how to not murder. Bye bye. Right. Which, which, it's it's funny you say that because as uh, there was one thing that stuck out to me when I read this issue. Uh, it was the fact that at the end there, they, she says. Um, He's been trained not only by me, but the masters of the League of Assassins, along with other special teachers. But the boy is growing beyond even my control now. He needs your guiding hand at this juncture to become the 
perfect heir to the Al Ghul Empire. Soon I intend to hold the whole world hostage to a new kind of terror, but in the meantime, I'll leave the two of you to get acquainted. So basically, like, she's basically saying that he was supposed to always come back to, and, and yeah. basically become the heir, although that has, I don't think, ever been brought up again since this. Uh, uh, no, no, in, a, in like a Robin Son of Batman. Oh, see, I haven't got to that point yet. Okay, so it was yes. brought up so, again. Yeah, so in okay. Robinson of Batman, that entire series is about him going back and and like undoing all the things he did uh, during his year of blood. Okay. His fucking like okay. training sequence he had. Good to hear. Because like the fact that he planted those seeds, I'm like, has Peter Tomasi ever gone back to that? I was curious. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, um, and also, and also that and also that book, it introduces us to nobody's daughter. Oh, oh, that's the one where he has superpowers after he comes back to life, right? Uh for like a hot second. Okay. Right. He, and he, that's, he loses them. He loses them again. It's the one. It's the one where he has like the fucking, like Clifford the Big Red Dog Man Bat. Right. Okay. His name is Goliath, yes. and he is adorable. Yeah. 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 So I'm gonna I, I'm gonna get get to all that as well. Um, I believe that else, that series was written and drawn by Patrick Gleason as well. I think. I that think Robin. so. Let me let me double check. Right. Um. So yeah. Like I. So yeah, it was good. I've. Uh, so you definitely suggest it sounds like you've read the whole thing and you suggest continuing with it because yeah, I've, totally. I've enjoyed what I've read so far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, new 52 Batman and Robin, uh, it does hold up and it was definitely a series. One of the few many good uh, series that came out of the new 52, a uh, few good series. Sorry. I should re say that, uh, series yeah. that came out of, um, new 52. Uh, yeah. So, so Robin's not a Batman. It was, uh, written by Gleason with art by Gleason and Mick Gray. Oh, I think that's his, yeah his anchor. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna definitely continue with that then because uh, I think it plays a big part into the characterization of Damien even going forward to some of the stuff that's going on now. Is oh no, absolutely. Sons. Like like yeah. Robin's 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 on a Batman and Batman and Batman and Robin are very much this is Damien's story. Mm -hmm. Like like you know Robin Robin son of Batman more so than Batman and Robin just by nature. Right. But yeah, like that, that Batman and Robin stuff, it it cemented what Damien was and helped grow him into a not horrible person. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. I know a lot of people, even to this day, really hate this character. Oh no, and I, I, I totally get that. Like like those right. first few issues, Damien is a little fucking shitbag. Absolutely. But, but then, you know, time happens, mm -hmm. and he grows as a person and like gets better. And him and like the the kind of like really cool brotherly relationship he has with Dan he has with a uh, Nightwing. Yeah, you did, it like, actually was also in the most recent issue of Batman as well. They actually had a scene with them that was really good. Yeah, like it's, like a scene with them hanging out, just doing stuff. Like like Nightwing's like fucking just ripping them a little bit, and he's like, "No, I'm not fucking like that, dude. Don't be a dick." Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I think whenever he comes up to certain scenes, especially with Dick, like it actually it shows his good side. Like he kind of he kind of. Like he always kind of softens up a little bit. He kind of drops the whole hard like facade, like in front. Like whenever Dick kind of starts talking to him a little bit and like trying to joke with, like tease him and stuff. Like he kind of drops his guard a little bit. I always find. Yeah, yeah, because like, like yeah. in because like in the comics, uh, like in previous comics, I'm pretty sure Damien spent more time with Dick as Batman than with Bruce as Batman. Right. Well, that's the thing. They, they, he even, he even says like they were we. Dick said that you always know we were the best Batman and Robin. Like he made a comment like that. I remember at some point in time too. Yeah. Like he, yeah, in, in Nightwing, their, I think their time to get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really enjoyable. So I look forward to reading the rest, uh, of this. And, and, and we're about to reach the point now. It looks like the next arc after, uh, this upcoming one is going to be when, uh, he dies at, in Batman Inc. And, uh, and then basically it becomes a team up book with Batman and some other different character for a little bit of time until yeah. he comes back. So as Batman uh, slowly loses his mind and is like, Hey, so- right. hey Frankenstein, I'm just gonna like dissect you <laughs> see if I can bring my kid back to life. That cool. Okay. <laughs> like there is an issue that I did actually end up reading. Like I dipped back in to read this issue because I heard it was good in particular. There's a silent issue called Requiem where he's basically uh, mourning the loss of him, and, and uh, it was an excellent silent issue. Oh yeah, uh, like like they, the like outside yeah. of outside of like I said the Frankenstein the Frankenstein dissection. Mm-hmm. They did a fucking fantastic job of like actually showing how Damien's death affected everybody. Mm-hmm. And like there, there are a few issues there where like, or like somebody else from the Bat Family just show up and say, "Hey, Bruce, the fuck, dude." Like, yeah, we miss him too, but like, stop dissecting people, <laughs> right? And like, and yeah. like, and like, as opposed to my like very, very much is like, "Hey, fuck you," sense of humor. It handled it very well, and yeah. and had a lot of like emotional resonance to it, especially fucking Alfred, man. I'm pretty sure there's a scene where like Alfred just fucking like takes Damien's fucking uniform and just breaks down crying in the Bat Cave with fucking Bat Cow and Titus there just trying to make him feel better. Mm. And it yeah, was like, no, fuck, I, man. Like, I'm fucking tearing up thinking about it. Yeah. No, I know. You know, Patrick, I mean, um, Tomasi, he does, he does a really good job at those type of moments. I think that's no, where he man, Gleason, Gleason, you like Do not sell Gleason the short in that. It, it would not no, be no. as good without somebody else's art. right. Well, especially with that silent issue. That's what I mean. That was all Gleason. Yeah, that was like, all I'm sure, Gleason. That's what I mean. That was all like you can't tell that issue without the skills of Gleason. You're right. I, I can't. I won't sell them short. But but that's what I mean. Like that's um yeah, they're a great team. The two of them. Like that's yeah. I I've I've really that's they've become one of those teams for me that I'll definitely check out any book that they continue to work. Yeah, on and it's always point, a, it's always weird whenever I like read whenever I like read a book that is written by Tomasi but not drawn by Gleason or drawn by Gleason but not written by Tomasi. It's like oh, this feels weird. <laughs> right yeah they're becoming one of those teams like uh snyder and capullo in that sense yeah like you know snyder what I mean? capullo like, or fucking like joe hill and gabriel rodriguez yeah absolutely where yep. we're just we're just like anybody else is like hey meet your new stepdad and i'm like uh <laughs> i don't like it yeah yeah or the johns and frank like yeah. we've seen them a bunch of times not I that want, that's I want a, my old dad back yeah so yeah batman and robin yeah Good stuff. Yeah. So moving on to a my next my first book, which is slightly less interesting, slots. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I am not that big a fan of this book. Mainly because I just kind of find it boring. Okay, it's not the art though, right? Because I really like this guy's art. No, can, the, no, the art's fine. It's, it's like it's like okay. it's like it's like a Capullo ish. I, yeah, I, yeah, I really dig this guy's art a lot. Like, because he wrote and drew this one. I, that's why I wanted to hear about the story because it looks really good to me. But yeah, go on. Yeah, it looks really good, but the story is nothing spectacular. Mm, okay. Yeah, so it's a series by um Dan Panosian, and it is about a it's it's about a guy. He's he's a bit of a shitbag, uh, who decides to come back to Vegas. Uh, after some time away, after like his, after he believes his luck has run out, in order to try to make good on some shit that he did in his past, which is to say, he fucked his best friend's wife. Oh, okay, that is he is a shit back. <laughs> yeah, so he so he comes back and is, and he's a, he's a former boxer and is trying to get set up in a fight 
in order to raise money to help out a friend's casino, which is going under and about to be bought by his former best friend. Or, or at the very least, ruined by his former best friend. And mm-hmm. so he, so he's getting ready to get into this fight, or at least like trying to get ready to get into this fight. And it turns out that the person that we end up fighting is his son, oh, who he hasn't okay. seen in a decade. That's fucked up. And his son hates him. So not is he only not only is he a bad friend, but he's also a bad father. Yes. And also, oh, the first time we're introduced to this character is when he is skimping out in a diner check. Yeah, so he does sound like a real shitbag. This yeah, guy. Like, <laughs> okay. like 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 the, the, the beginning of it is like he's hanging out like at a diner talking to talking to this waitress or whatever. Leaves his keys up at the front of basically his collateral as he goes out to his car to get his wallet. And then his car drives away because he had like eighteen fucking copies of his car keys in the glove box for that for that express purpose. <laughs> it's like hey hey so like hey I fucking forgot my key forgot my thing out of the car. Tell you what, I'll leave my keys with you. I'll just fucking go out there and get my wallet, come back in, pay up, we'll be good. And I can get my keys and drive off. And then he's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's just, that totally makes sense. And he just goes out to the car and then just leaves because he has extra keys. Yeah, this guy's a seasoned vet. Like, he's done this before. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, specifically the thing that sparked the story happening is he ran out of those keys. Okay. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he always said, like, hey, when I run out of these keys, my luck will run out. So now it's time to fucking go back and make good on what I've done or some bullshit. And it's just really boring. Yeah. Like, I don't care about him redeeming himself because I don't care about him at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I never, I never, like, saw any part of him that made him, like, a person that I'd want to see redeemed. Uh, and the writing itself isn't that great. Like, I don't find any of the characters particularly interesting. I don't find the story interesting. Like, half the characters are just, like, bratty shitbags who I could give less of a fuck about. Mm-hmm. Like, one of them is a fucking person in a burlesque show who is kind of like the central focal of point of the fucking story where she is being – where she's trying to be poached by the guy's former best friend. And that's the thing. Just like, hey, if she leaves, this fucking place goes under because she's because she's the one bringing in the big bucks. So once she, if she leaves, it's fucking going under. And she's like, hey, person who brought me into this industry, get fucked. This guy has more money. Bye-bye. See, so yeah, I don't know. It's just fucking. Yeah, no, it's hard to love about it. Love anything about. There's no redeeming qualities. It seems to any of the characters reading about in this. So it's a latch on to. So yeah. <laughs> that's all I really got to say about it. Like, it's not that interesting a book. Hmm. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Your next book. Yeah. So, uh, Descender. Um, so Descender, I want, um, this is a really important issue because I think that this is the culmination of, um, I mean, this is for one, the end of the Rise of the Robots, um, arc, which has basically been setting up a lot of the, uh, war to come that's been kind of, uh, culminating within the, the last few issues, basically between, um, the robots and the humans at this point. Uh, it kind of all started when, uh, they caught wind of Tim 21, uh, basically his existence and like, cause he basically woke up and they've been based, they've been trying to get him back because they, like think he, he's the key to a lot of what's going on and he's like very powerful and, and, and a lot of people believe that he's the reason as to, he holds the reasons as to, uh, why everything happened in the first place. 
Um, so then they also sent out the Tin 22 bot who basically like looks like a evil like version of him and and uh he basically um they there's like a bunch of groups that kind of got split up and um he was being hunted by um uh Andy and uh and uh and another uh, the both friend and foe yeah Andy and also um his human brother and uh, that's yeah. that scrapper human brother right and then scrapper the um Oh no! Who's the robot hunting scrapper? Yeah, sorry, I'm just reading some of the names yeah, here. Yeah, off the start. And, Andy is Andy is hunting them down. Um, Andy's former girlfriend, who's now a cyborg, is with her with him. Right, Captain Telsa uh, and Doctor Quan are together with him now in this certain arc, and and basically, yeah. um, and the robots, the androids have been basically they they've been trying to race towards uh him to get him back after he escaped from their clutches, and then you also got the coalition, like the whole human. Uh, group uh, on one side of things as well, kind of watching this all go down, and basically shit comes to blows in this issue. Like everything's just can't come to a head, and uh, these the sleep rages are activated. Yeah, the, these two ships kind of met, and there's a, a great like four page fold out panel spread. Like they're they're in the actual physical issue of the copy. I don't know if you were to read this digitally, it might be not the it, it would you wouldn't maybe get the same effect, but there's a fold out. Uh, of four pages that connect that basically are showing like they were on different planets because now the androids are making their their move against the humans and you basically see them attacking them on a bunch of different planets now and and meanwhile you got the that coalition like the the the, the humans they're basically uh in space fighting the main uh group of the robots as well um so yeah basically everything's just basically coming to head in this issue and it was a very important issue i think a lot of kind of things that were going on the culminating over the last arc, this last arc uh came to kind of came together and it was just a really really good issue um every few issues of this kind of it just moves the story along but then but then when everything kind of clicks like this it's just really really excellent like and then at the end um there's this guy Dr. Solomon that comes and uh that Tim 21 meets and he says, you know, my son, my progeny, I have so well, much act- to tell so, you. Actually, I just I just reread that. It's not actually Dr. Solomon yeah. who says that. It's the robot who introduces Dr. Solomon who says that. But he refers to dot him as Dr. No, no, so, so Dr. the robot says the robot says it's him Dr. Solomon. Tim 21 has returned at last. Then he bends down, my son, my progeny. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, it's the robot that says yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, the robot oh, calls him his son. Oh, okay. I was trying... Okay, yeah, you're right. I'm looking at the page right now. Interesting. Yeah, so that's still very interesting, though, What kind of what happened here. So I don't know what these people mean to him, and, and, and that's what I mean. They haven't fully explored, like, what his part, like, the part that he played in all this. Like, he's obviously super powerful, and he, they say that he's the re- there's a reason why everything happened, basically, to the Earth. Like, he's kind of right in the middle of all that. Like Yeah, and, so, like, and like, we, like, the whole thing kind of started out when they realized his code was, like, Harvester code. Mm-hmm. So I'm very interested to see what happens now at this point. I, I believe they're probably going to take a break for a month or two because it's the end of the arc like they normally do, I would assume. Maybe not. Uh, I'm trying yeah. to see if it says when the next issue is coming out here. But um, but yeah, this arc in particular was very, very, very good. Descender still continues to be a quality book. Um, so you're up to date on this too as well? Yep. Uh, yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I mean, Jeff Lemire Fuck, is man. just... 
Yeah, he's on a roll. He's on a roll lately. No, I know you guys no, are probably... December, December 27, the end of this arc, or at least, or like, it looks like the, looks like the beginning of the next arc, I guess. Yeah, because this is the end of this arc. It says 505, Rise of the Robots in this issue. Yeah, so issue 27, um, the beginning of Old Worlds Part 1, the beginning of Old Worlds, I mean, uh, comes out February 21st, 2018. Right. Yeah, so I, that's what I assumed. Usually at the end of every arc, they usually give them a couple of months to kind of get ahead of the schedule. Um, also, apparently a, also, apparently is a selling point. Um, each issue will have a variant cover. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's a little robot variant cover, which is essentially like a fucking Scotty Young style. Like, hey, look at these kids. Look at these ma- look at these characters you know and love, but they're babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the first one by the looks of it is Dr. Kwan putting a screwdriver into Tim 21's head. As Bandit watches. <laughs> I need some more driller moments. Oh, yeah, That's we need more driller. He's a real killer, man. <laughs> Driller's great. Um, I like tell I like Telsa as well. Um, yeah, now now that like- Tim's back with her, we can actually see some stuff. And that was there's a really sweet moment in this issue where like where like Tim the Tim twenty one defeats Tim twenty two and uh, sees Telsa and just hugs her and she's like, what the fuck? I might as well just right. roll with it. <laughs> Good to see you too, yeah, you not, tiny robot not, child. Not used to this uh, emotion. So. Yeah, it's like oh right, he's a kid. Um. So yeah, no, I, I think it's. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm glad you picked this to highlight, just because uh, although it has fallen into that kind of pattern where we don't talk about this book, uh, you know, that much anymore, but we, we, because um, it's always consistently of a pretty good quality and yeah. they are just moving the, the story along. Although, yeah, once in a while, I, you know, I do, that's why I enjoy checking in on this book because this is definitely one of those moments that stuck out in the series as it kind of closed this arc off. Like this is a big moment. And if you're not caught up, definitely take the time to catch up. Cause it's a, uh, it's a really, really good series. And yeah, Jeff Lemire's just on a roll. I know you guys are probably sick of us talking about him, but the guy's writing multiple solid, very good quality books right now. So I, uh, yeah. And know, I think I, Dustin Wynn said that he wanted to like fucking do a, I think he want. I think Dustin Wynn said he wanted to do like a Batman story or something with Jeff Lemire. Yeah, he tweeted out a picture that kind of teased that that like it was Robin and then Batman in like the kind of shadows like behind him that was painted by him almost like in the same style like the same style like a Descender. Yeah, and I thought that was maybe a tease of them announcing a book with them because now that Jeff Lemire is back over at DC in some capacity, um, so maybe I mean Dustin's worked on Batman stuff in the past a lot, so I wouldn't be surprised yeah. for those two to do something. Um, even maybe in the style that they're doing with these like white knights, like an Elseworlds tale, like just Jeff Lemire. And I think for them, that would be perfect. Like an out of continuity story with Nguyen uh, painting, doing his painting style, the watercolor. Yeah. Did you, did you and, see that uh, weird solicit for like the thing with Bruce Wainwright? No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like that. apparently like some upcoming like fucking Batman prestige story or something. Okay. I think it was actually solicited in the back of Doomsday Clock. Oh, okay. Hmm. Let me just see if I can actually find it. I don't know if I... Nope, never mind. I, I was... I'm fucking crazy. Oh, no, wait, no. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was done at the beginning of fucking that. Yeah, it is Batman Creature of the Night. Oh, yeah. That, that actually, at this time of recording, I believe that issue, the first issue just came out today. Yeah, a four-issue prestige format limited series written by Kurt Busiak and, and drawn by John Paul Leon. 
Yeah, they're basically he's doing his spin on it like he did with the Superman. I think it's like like a year one type. Yeah. Like Superman, he did like a that secret identity. Or no, that was John's. No, which one did he do? He did he did some sort of Superman story, Cute Beziac, and it was pretty good. And that's basically what they said that this is going to be yeah. like. For yeah, the, the tag of it is Bruce Wainwright lost his parents in a violent crime. Shall he become a bat or something much worse? And it's a child yeah. wearing a Batman costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's going to be some sort of like a reimagining type thing. You know what? I I I I would love for that's what I mean. Like for the Dustin Nguyen thing for Jeff Lemire, I would like the same type of thing. Like I like that they're doing these prestige things with artists. Yeah, and like, and like, the, like, like actually reading it, it seems like it's not going to be like an actual Batman thing. It's going to be somebody. It's going to be somebody else trying to become their own version of Batman. Okay, because because huh. like based 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 on the cover of it and stuff. It's a child wearing a Batman costume with a mask up with just this fucking nothing expression on his face with a pool of blood next to him. Okay. Huh. And, and, and it says Bruce Wainwright, not Bruce Wayne. Right. So it's probably some kid named Bruce Wainwright who's like, hey, my name's kind of like Bruce Wayne. He was the Batman. So what if I been the Batman? <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to check that out, actually. Yeah, I, I like these Elseworld type things that they do with good writers and artists. Like, I'm totally on board uh, for those, I, I'd, I'd much rather a bunch of series of those than a lot of these ongoings that they put out. Personally, yeah. like the Batman White Knight has been excellent so far. Like, yeah. you know what I mean, like th- things like that, I'm, I'm, I, I like the idea of. So, but yeah, so yeah, Descender still really good, still really fucking good. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, Kong on the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> this sounds like a fun crossover. <laughs> it is weird as hell. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, for those who, for those of you guys who haven't been following this for a while, um, Boom and other companies like that, they have a long-standing tradition of taking Planet of the Apes and crossing it over with other stuff. Uh, sometimes it, sometimes they don't make any fucking sense, like when they cross over with Green Lantern, and sometimes they make so much sense that it's amazing that it hasn't happened sooner, such as with this. Kong and the Planet of the Apes. So this is a direct sequel to the Planet of the Apes movie. The the original Charlton Heston movie. Okay. Yeah, this takes place right after that where um, Dr. Zaius and his fucking army of gorillas are going out into the the fucking wastelands to try to find all evidence of human society that Taylor uh, Charlton Heston's character unearthed and then destroying it. Excuse me, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like uh like they actually like that Zeus and the fucking gorillas, they actually go to the Statue of Liberty and he tells them to blow it up. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, just beyond the Statue of Liberty though, they find a dead Kong. Mhm. And so they and so they bring in uh the two so they bring in um like the two doctors that uh helped out Charlton Heston in the movie. To do a full-on fucking autopsy of the thing. Mm-hmm. The gorillas are all like, yo, we shouldn't be doing this. This thing's a fucking god. We should be treating it with fucking respect. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, based on the size of him, they... Yeah, yeah they, it's, 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 a fucking, right. it's a fucking, like, multiple-story tall monkey. Absolutely. That is like, right. oh, shit, our lord and savior has come. That is a pretty fucking obvious link between those two properties. Yeah, you're right. That is pretty... Yeah, yeah. so on. they so they yeah. build a boat which is which the boat they make is like some fucking like viking longship that doesn't have any railings or anything 
they tie Kong's skull to the front of it and begin going out into the world to try to find stuff. Uh, they actually come across another separate monkey society. Okay. Yeah, like, there's a whole other thing and they, where they have, like, domesticated elephants for, like, labor and stuff. Which just, god damn it, I... This shouldn't be as interesting as it is. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Like, yeah. fucking Planet of the Apes was a decent enough, like, little bit. It was, a, it was a good story beginning, middle, to end, and it fucking had this big reveal that was great. And then they fucking somehow build on that by building a fucking world. Mm. Which is just something so simple that I'm amazed nobody has thought to do it before. Yeah. No, that does seem like an obvious one. Yeah, so... Yeah, so as they're as they're going along trying to find fucking the island Kong came from, they get attacked by an they get attacked by a fucking prehistoric octopus and a pterodactyl. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and How they land on Skull on? <laughs> and they land on Skull Island. Right, which is the home of uh Kong, right? Yeah. That's, and yeah. given what has happened, given what's happened, I it would not surprise me if this island is fucking still inhabited by humans. Mhm. Okay. Because like, because like every, everywhere else, it was a nuclear fucking wasteland that nuked everything, and the monkeys fucking gained intelligence from it and took over. In this, the island is so removed that they wouldn't have been affected. And like the fact that there are still fucking like dinosaurs and shit out there, and Kong isn't some fucking like horrible cancer monster. Mm-hmm. It seems like this place was largely untouched by the radiation. Okay. So yeah, yeah it'll be yeah. it'll be a bunch of monkeys. It'll be a bunch of apes on an island with a giant ape worshipped by humans. So you think at this time we're basically um like the humans are like devolved, like they're not like what they used to be in the Planet of the Apes movies, but you th- you're saying you think there should be a faction of humans that are still the same like uh, No, 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 not. like like in like in Planet of the Apes, the reason the humans are like that is because it's because the apes have kind of because like the apes and humans essentially like swap places in terms of intelligence, and that was largely a societal thing. Mm-hmm. Like apes, you're like, saying like apes intelligence. You think they're far removed here, though, because they're yeah, on yeah. yeah meanwhile, these these humans will be at the same level they would have been should things have happened in the fucking sixties, right? Where it's just like yeah, these fucking these people they were already so removed from society that they didn't have the same society as regular people, but. They didn't devolve in any way because they weren't exposed to the monkey society. Mm-hmm. Like they even say, like they even say in the fucking movie, like there shouldn't be any reason that humans don't talk. They just don't. And I believe it's largely a, I believe it's largely like a fucking like societal thing because human society, after being fucking nuked and having the monkeys take over, was devolved over so many generations that people just didn't talk. So there was no fucking way to have humans pass on language to their fucking offspring. I know that in I don't know if you did you see the last of the newest of the trilogy? I have not seen war for the planet of the apes yet. Okay, they the way that movie ends, it basically leads right up to the like the moment where you would think that 
like the events that stem from the end of that movie would lead into basically what happens with like the people you learn about in the first Planet of the Apes. So there's actually some more stuff that they set up in that movie that was actually really interesting. I think they did a good job of bridging the gap and they actually do have some explanations as to some of that kind of stuff. So, um, as a, like, like it's uh, as why the humans start like getting like acting like this. Like it's more of like a disease thing, I think, in that movie. Uh-huh. Man, like, uh, uh, those new Planet of the Apes movies should not be as good as they are. I love them. I fucking love those. That trilogy for me, like, it's a solid, solid trilogy, and that's really hard to do because oh no, like, like every yeah, yeah, those are every trilogy you can point one out and be like, ah, that's the shit one of the move of the trilogy. You know what I mean? But this yeah. was d- decent the whole way through. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, trilogy, yeah these but. movies are all very, they're all very smartly made and like do a lot of interesting mm-hmm. things with the fucking premise. But and all of them try to do something at least a bit new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I even like, I just like, I like that they've been dedicated to the story throughout the whole way, even like because they lost, like, you know, like James Franco was in the first one, but he wasn't in the second one. But then you think that maybe they would just kind of move on and not even mention it. But he has a photo in the second movie that he references. He's like, yeah, I remember this one human that was good to me one oh, time. No, yeah, that, that's because that's that's it's I mean? an incredibly important thing for Caesar. No, no, I know, but that's what I mean. Like some movies, they get sloppy and they fucking ignore those type of things. And this yeah, was just very like, oh, the dedicated. Past doesn't fucking matter. It didn't happen, right? Right. So I, I just have always enjoyed that fact about these movies. Like it actually, the way they set up everything leading into like the, to bridge the gap at the end of this one. I think you really enjoy it once you do get around to watching it. If you like the other two, this this war one is also uh, really really good. I, I enjoyed it so. But the anyways, longest yeah, conversations we've had in this show so far, and the most in-depth ones, have been, have been about goddamn <laughs> politics and Planet of the Apes. <laughs> it's a good podcast. This is a weird show. <laughs> I'm enjoying it, though. So but Yeah, like, how Planet of the Apes? Like, despite saying that, I, I, don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm, like, fully into it yet. Mm. Because How's like, because uh, art is actually really good. Like the guy who did it. Um, okay. Let me actually just double check who did the artwork for this. Um, Carlos Magno. Mm. Okay. He did a fucking painstaking job to make these guys look as movie accurate as possible. Mm. In a good way, though, or just, or is it very photo referency? Uh, not not photo referency. It is. It is very much like they. Like, none of this feels like they were just fucking taking stills from the movie and painting over them in a way that kind of fit. Okay, good. It, this it feels, natural, this feels yeah. like he fa- yeah, This feels like he found a way to draw, like, he found a way to draw these guys as close to the movies as possible, but put them in new shit. Awesome. I, I like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a bit, like, it's a bit, like, detail line heavy. Okay. But, yeah, like, otherwise, it's been, it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. So it is one of those kind of uh, crossover of properties that is worth checking out by the sounds of it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it is. A, I think this is a very interesting thing. It's just as of yet, it hasn't taken. It hasn't, it hasn't really gotten its hooks in me yet. How many issues are we in right now? Of this or uh, one? Is it a miniseries? Okay, so I just started. yeah, it, it's one issue in, and there are six issues. It's to be a six issue mini. Oh wow! I'm looking at a panel right now. I found online. Uh, wow, there those look really fucking good. There's it's about it's with uh, Doctor Zayas, like they're standing over the dead, uh, like uh, Kong or whatever it is, like yeah. the body there, and they're just kind of hovered around his head, like all standing around it. Wow, yeah, a lot of detail, very detailed. Yeah. And something else that I forgot. 
Um, there's actually there's a fucking protest happening in this goddamn thing. Like, like a, essentially, like a, essentially, like the <laughs> like the monkey society is revolting and demanding yeah. and demanding equal rights for humans. I was about to groan there, but at the same time, politics has always been a part of both Planet of the Apes as well. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah that Planet makes sense. Planet of the Apes, the whole society yeah. is this fucking weird goddamn like paradox of being fucking dogmatic science mm-hmm. where, where they believe where they believe science is the fucking be all end all but anything that goes against pre-established beliefs is considered heresy <laughs> right like the ape shall not kill ape which happens all the fucking time specifically like i remember there was like a bit in like like in their fucking doctrine that hu- that humans don't talk <laughs> and that if you try to get them to talk it's fucking heresy Oh really? Yeah, huh. I, I remember. I remember specifically like, when they brought in Taylor to go talk to the fucking like science high council or whatever the Doctor Zayas is on. He con- he's constantly screaming heresy because fucking her- mm-hmm. because fucking uh, Taylor is talking, encouraging. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah, and so and so it's this fucking weird idea where mm-hmm. we we are a, we are a fucking civilization built upon the idea of science, and if you go against it, we'll burn you with the stake for being a fucking <laughs> witch. Uh, you know, they're still they're still apes at the end of the day, right? They're still the animals, right? So, like, oh, it's, I mean, they're it's, much it's more re- than that. No, it's that, that, <laughs> that, that's very much a human thing. I can very much see a human society that's built true. on the idea right. of, like, science as religion. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds good. I might have to check this out. I, yeah, I know it, what you're saying. You're not sold on the first issue yet, but uh, it has yeah. it has ideas. It's just it's just seeing them execute on those ideas is what I'm kind of worried about. And I guess this is a mini series. Yep, six issues. Okay, cool. All right then. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So moving on, I'm talking about uh, uh, Doctor Strange. This is the renumbering of Doctor Strange now with the finally the new writer and artist team of Donny Cates, uh, who's one of the new po- popular new voices in comics. That's been kind of a lot of people are looking forward to a lot of the books that he's going to be taking on over at Marvel. And, you know, in light, especially in light of the, the news, Bendis leaving and, and new kind of leadership over yeah. there. So it should be interesting to new see. Editorial chief, new editorial chief, which yep. we're talking about a bit later in the show. Yep. Uh, yeah, but I was going to go into that much, I figured. But um, so, yeah, so they renumbered it to the legacy numbering of 177, Doctor Strange. And this also includes the start. Uh, the artist is Gabriel Hernandez Walta, who you might remember from The Vision with Tom King. Uh, who looks fucking great on this Doctor Strange book as well. I He's an interesting artist where I wouldn't really expect to fit him into many characters, like his style, but I, for whatever reason, it worked on Vision. It's working on this book. Uh, it's more great art. Um, if you enjoyed it on Vision, I, Vision, I don't see why you wouldn't enjoy him on this book. Um, but yeah, first, uh, great first issue. Really fucking loved it. Um this is a great jumping on point too. If you weren't following Jason Aaron's run or uh, up to this point, they even had a few uh, fill in issues after Jason Aaron left. He actually left the series about four or five issues ago, but um, they kind of had a couple of fill in uh, writers uh, do some stories that it felt like were in a drawer somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like one of those like ones are like, yeah, we need a, we need something to put here this month. And they kind of just fished it out. Yeah. Seemed out of place. Um, they also had um, during the fucking, uh, one of those events, Secret Empire, they had uh, two or three issues where um, Dennis Hopeless came in and uh, wrote a little story about Doctor Strange's involvement in that, uh, which weren't bad considering I didn't really read the Secret. I didn't read Secret Empire. I thought they were yeah, okay. And, and actually, just before we go any further, yeah. did, did you read not Brand Ick? 
No. The ne- the next but yeah, no, I didn't read that. Yeah, in not brand ugh, they did a fucking they did a five page they did a five paged abridged version of that fucking storyline. Yeah. yeah of did, Doctor did, Strange or um, no of Secret Empire. Okay. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they did a five. They did like a little five-page thing. It was like, hey, we're gonna make fun. Of, we're gonna make fun of and retell you the story of fucking Secret Empire. Was it Nick Spencer who made fun of himself or I, no? Because um, I, I know he was one of the writers of that. Of um, that uh, let me double check. But yeah, it, it was real fucking weird. Like they did five pages, and then and, and then like the fifth page, they do like surprise in the grand style of fucking. Goddamn, uh, Civil War Two available now. On, available now on shelves. We're gonna be doing an extra sixth page. Get fucked. <laughs> well, I do yeah, enjoy yeah, yeah. the. Yes, it was Nick Spencer. It was. I do enjoy when they kind of do make fun of their old comics. So they every couple years they do one of these issues where it kind of is like a like a like a joke issue where they kind of make fun of some of the current events going on over there. And I, I I do appreciate them. Like I do enjoy them, but I hadn't gotten around to reading the not brand act yet. That's yeah. funny though that they did make fun of it. I, I, they need to understand how absurd some of this shit is that they. Oh no! And, and, <laughs> and apparently, I uh, remember in um. Do you remember in um that fucking uh. In, in Civil War Two, where there was that image of Miles Morales standing over Captain America's dead body. Yes. So apparently that was because of that was setting up that was setting up Secret Empire. Appar- apparently, like his vision of seeing fucking Captain America get all fucked up by Miles, that was that was uh, Miles fucking up the evil version of Captain America. Okay, because that never really came to fruition, though, in the series. As far as no, I know, no, that right? was that was like that was like one of the. I, I, as much as I fucking hate that thing, I think that was one of the points of the series was just, mm. which is like the future is not set in stone. So this fucking idea of having these goddamn, so they, so the idea of setting up a fucking criminal justice system based around somebody predicting the future was stupid. Oh, oh. Right, you're yeah, you're referencing that happened during yeah Civil War. Yeah, in Civil War, yeah, in Civil War Two, uh, okay. Yeah, in Civil yeah, War Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody saw the image of uh, okay. Spider Man killing yeah. Captain America. I'm, I got it. Then yep. Spider Man went to the fucking place, and then that never happened. But then, but then it's retroactively saying, hey, that actually took that actually was a vision for Secret Empire. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they're re- they're referencing event to future events now. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wow. fucking retarded. That is, that is, yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, you're right, that makes complete sense. But still, the fact that they, they're so transparent in the events now, where they're like actually saying, they're, they're already foreshadowing the, the next yeah. event. <laughs> like, come on now, uh, it's ridiculous. Anyways, um, yeah, so this issue starts out with Zelda, who was the apprentice, who was a librarian, who basically came, became like the librarian slash, uh, like uh kind of like apprentice of um Doctor Strange at the end of the Jason Aaron run like yeah. she's not um she's basically still living in this place and uh Wong fucked off at the end of Jason Aaron's run he had had enough of Doctor Strange at the end of his run because of not to go into his whole story but basically he just got fed up of him uh that what he was doing basically his body and what Wong was sacrificing in order to continue for Doctor Strange to help him um at the end of it he just really had lost a lot of respect and kind of like basically had had enough and yeah. left and uh, he left him yeah yeah and like that um i th- i stopped reading that thing what happened to magic so magic it, it like it hadn't been fully restored as far as i can remember at the end of that but it was slowly coming back like um 
it basically magic was lost and it was like there were certain fragments all over the world so he, and different artifacts yeah so just, just, like, just like rewinding a bit one of the things from jason aaron's run was the empirical i believe so yeah basically this extra-dimensional organization that saw magic as evil and so wanted to use science to destroy all magic and they kind of succeeded yeah, and basically what ended up happening was, yeah, so he had to kind of, Doctor Strange was left with no, that's why when that series started, you seen him with an axe, and like, he basically was, he was scouring the earth for different magical artifacts that still had some strange yeah, magic any, in it. anything to find some more juice. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then basically, as the series kind of progressed, it kind of went through his rogues gallery, and it, 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 Jason Aaron's run was mainly based on the fact that um, you need to sacrifice something of yourself in order to use magic. So yeah. this whole t- all this time over all the years, Doctor Strange was basically um, he was basically eating this fucking like demonist like fucking material of some sort yeah, yeah, like, like basically it, it, it destroyed him but he couldn't eat normal food because of all the magic he's done exactly and and wong was it turns out wong was harvesting <laughs> these monks were basically like harvesters to basically help dr strange continue to actually survive and use magic over and over again so that so that basically played a big part and why wong was at the end of his rope by the end of this arc because he was he was trying so hard to destroy uh to to help him not to destroy himself that in the end he got possessed by some sort of um um, misery or something? Not misery. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was something. It was something. Some that, sort of misery monster. Yeah, yeah of some something sort Doctor Strange made to like put put in it. all his like fucking anger and hate and exactly. pain into. Exactly. So he basically it was like some sort of misery fucking mind. all the all the bad stuff was basically became it manifested into this sort of creature that basically yeah, this, took this pos- black tar with a fucking China doll mask. Right. That basically took possession of Wong and then and then he had to free him of it. But then after that, Wong just fucking got up and left. Like, like, hey, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. Just like get fucked. Yeah. Go find yourself another Asian boy slave. Which I was very disappointed in because I love Wong. Yeah, like, I love I, yeah, you I, love I, Wong, but like at a certain point. Sure. No, no, no. It, he he had every like it's. I love that he actually was ballsy enough to make the move and take him out of the book for a little while, yeah, and that's and why we it, ain't seen the last it, of Wong. Wong coming back. Absolutely, but now this is a comic book motherfucker, not something inventive. Right, but now we have Zelda, so it's kind of cool because, like, over the years, there's been different people in Doctor Strange's life, um, you know. But he is a piece of shit at the best of times, so yeah. like, so they haven't stuck around. So that's why, like, Wong leaving, and then he also had that other woman years ago. Um, what's her fucking name? Uh, his apprentice. Um, I'm blanking on her fucking name right now. Uh, he was it was her his apprentice and his wife or her girlfriend at some point. Uh, was that Rich uh, McAdams' character? No. Okay. No. Um, I can't remember her name, but anyways. Um, so so now in this book, uh, you open up with Zelda and somebody visiting Doctor Strange because he has an issue. And she starts walking him through the mansion and brings him in and they kind of briefly touch on the subject that he's not there. And he's like, oh, what do you mean he's not here anymore? And the guy's like, I- I'm not looking for him. I'm looking for the new Sorcerer Supreme. And then basically cuts to a two-page 
uh, opener of them introducing Loki and saying that Loki is now the new Sorcerer Supreme. Now, when I first heard about this, I was pretty pissed off just because I wanted to read a Doctor Strange book. Uh, but then when I heard of this team coming onto the book, I'm like, okay, maybe they can do something interesting with this. Uh, you know, let's go with it. And, uh, yeah, with this first issue, I'm, I'm in. Like, Doctor Strange is still in the book in some capacity. He does a really good thing where he does this two page spread where it's not something I've, I don't think I've remembered ever seeing. It was an interesting writing technique where he kind of introduced the fact of Loki through a question and answer type thing where he's like, Loki, seriously? Loki is the Sorcerer Supreme? And then it'll be like, A, answer. Yes, yes, that Loki, seriously. And then it would go back to Q, question. How, but how did this happen? This is a spell or an illusion or something? You know what I mean? Like he did it like that. And it was a whole two page spread where he broke down how he kind of came to be like the Sorcerer Supreme now, at least yeah. a little bit of the story. I thought it worked well, but then you cut to a scene with basically Loki uh, visiting the bar with no doors, which is the supernatural bar that Jason Aaron introduced in his run, which is like basically where all like the magical magic characters like Scarlet Witch and everybody go to hang out. And uh, Loki is basically there trying to, you know, become. it seems like become friends with them and try to introduce like I'm the new Sorcerer Supreme, you know, like uh, and basically trying to show off and impress them and this kind of thing. And he ends up leaving the bar, not that, not swaying anybody and them not trusting him because he's fucking Loki and Loki's always got something up his sleeves and they don't, you know, they don't believe he's legit. They don't understand why he wants to be fucking Doctor Strange or why he got into this position. So he ends up kind of throwing a bunch of magical type of enchantments at them again and basically transports them all out of the bar. And then he's like, uh, you know, know that my offer still stands. If any of you need anything, you know how to find me. And he, he walks off. And as he's walking off, he starts texting Zelda. He's like, ah, I think I messed up with that. <laughs> like He's like all like self-conscious. And at first I'm like, why the fuck is Loki texting? I thought it was really out of character. But then I kind of found it amusing how he's like... Uh, He's like, he's like, I don't think I'm doing this right. It isn't <laughs> going to be li- going to be late. And then he has like a thunder emoji because he could hear um, Jane Foster Thor coming to him and and uh, uh, a sad face. <laughs> so it actually made me kind of laugh, uh, and it worked for me. Yeah, Anyways, it, and then no, Loki Loki texting makes all kinds of sense to me. I, with the characterization from the movies, or uh, no, just with like, characterization from Young Avengers. Oh, Young Avengers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's true. When you compare it to that version, um, I, I'm just comparing it to the version like, that we've like seen. Movie, like, like movie version, Tom Hiddleston doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would text. No, <laughs> I, I'm just comparing it to the more of like the Jason Aaron, I guess Thor Loki that we've been seeing this whole time. But um, yeah, no, that may, yeah, yeah, that that that, that kind of Loki doesn't seem like he makes sense. But like right. Loki is this fucking revolving door of personalities. Absolutely, and 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 there has been many different <laughs> versions of him as they've acknowledged, right? So, um, so yeah, no, I really like the characterization of Loki in this, though. Um, Jane Foster basically says the same shit: "I'll be watching you. I don't trust you. I don't know why you're the Sorcerer Supreme." And he basically gets all disappointed. And he's like, "Listen, I'm I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to like, uh, I see everything now. Like, I want to help. Like, I'm powerful. Like, he's like, believe me, I'm gonna you know make right by this and." And basically doing like the whole Doctor Doom is Iron Man type move that they've been doing with some of their villains lately. But I think he's got a good voice for him. And at the end of the issue, you find out that Doctor Strange is a uh, uh, fucking, what do you call it? Um, uh, a veterinarian. <laughs> it cuts to a scene where it, it it's Doctor Strange, but you can't even tell at first that it's Doctor Strange because he's dressed in like a like a doctor's uh, uh lab coat type thing and he and and scarlet witch is sitting there talking to him basically saying like you know like i 
you know, I don't understand why you're letting Loki be the Sorcerer Supreme. Is it true? Like, he apparently beat him in some sort of contest, so he had to rightfully give up the, the, the Sorcerer Supreme title to him. So he's like, no, he's like, listen, I'm fine with it. I'm fine. Don't worry. And, uh, she's like, all right, whatever. I guess you're just happy being fucking Dr. Doolittle then. And she leaves. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then, and then somebody asks, what's Dr. Doolittle? And he looks down and it's the dog actually talking to him. <laughs> 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 and he can, and he can actually talk to the animals, I guess, because he is Dr. Strange. And he yeah, can, fucking magic. Know, use, right. Uh, and then he, Dr. Strange just looks at him and he's like, oh, it's, uh, we'll watch, it's, uh we'll watch the movie later. Yeah, he's like, it's a movie about a veterinarian that talks to animals, and then he just sighs, and he's like, oh, well, that's a pretty good joke then, Doc. <laughs> and, then, and then the issue just ends. So I'm totally on board. I want to see where this goes. Yeah, he sold me, especially on that last scene, which I think was really funny. And uh, the art and the characterization of, of Loki were really well done. So yeah, so Doctor Strange, definitely check it out. Great jumping on point. Uh, even if you didn't read the previous series, all you really needed to know is Doctor Strange is no longer the Sorcerer Supreme. And, uh, yeah, it sets everything up for you here. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Moving on. So, Nico. Yeah. You're going to want to deafen yourself for this. Ah, all right. So, let um, me know when you're done. So, we, so we talked about, um, this book for, <laughs> for a while now. We, we've come, we come, we're coming in like every now and again talking about it. Uh, Invincible. Issue 142 came out a couple weeks ago. Or last week, I'm not... I think, yeah, a couple weeks ago. And... I need to talk about it. I need to, because some big things happened in it. And one big thing set up a big thing that will ha- be happening next issue. Unfortunately, because Nico reads it in trade. This is one of those books he doesn't want spoiled. Uh, he will be going away for the next couple minutes as I talk about this. And if any of you, the folks at home... Uh, are also sensitive to spoilers or are waiting for trades for that for this. Please jump ahead. Uh, let's say about three minutes. Jump ahead about three minutes, and at that point, I'll be done talking about. I'll be done talking about fucking invincible. So, Mark met his rate baby. He met him. Mark met Mark. It was his little fucking little fucking little bit. So. The story, for those who don't know, um, Mark and the fucking coalition of plants are coming down, descending onto Earth to stop fucking, um, to stop, um, to stop Rex and Robot, stop Rex, Robot, whatever fuck his name is, uh, from hurting the Viltrumites families. Uh, he took those families hostage in order to try to, uh, get the Viltrumites to fucking these people. And then they would leave. Uh, Mark, at this point, uh, there's a big fucking fight, this big fucking horrible thing, everything's fucking going nuts. They're like every fucking hero is going to go going to fight against fucking robot. What and is this big fucking thing? Um, Monster Girl. Uh says like, hey, this is fucking him. Mark throws him up into space and and robot starts giving him this big fucking like fucking Doctor Manhattan esque speech saying, hey, yeah, I I'm I'm smart. I'm fucking stupid ass smart. None of the fucking shit you can do is gonna fucking deal with me. Like this is this is the way things need to be. You know I'm right. And Mark's like, yeah, I do. I know what I'm going to do. And just fucking punches a hole through his chest. And at the end, we see that um, what happened was Mark killed him to take his brain out of his body, put it in a tube, so that all of his ideas about helping humanity, which Mark even agrees are good ideas, specifically does that so that it can be filtered through the immortal, an immortal man who is actually a decent person. 
so that so that the immortal can take over the robot position and filter all his ideas through. Is this good for people? Because because like robot can't do that. It's just all logic for him. So then after that, everybody's like, yeah, so fucking here are your families and stuff. And then we meet and then they go and talk to Anissa's husband. And he meets his fucking rape baby. And next issue, it'll be about it'll be about fucking Mark talking to his son that came from one of the most traumatic experiences of his entire life. And motherfucker, I can't wait. So yeah, that's what I got to say about that. Well, the next issue comes out, we'll be doing this again, probably. But yeah. You do. All done? Yep. All right. Yeah, sorry, guys. That's the... <laughs> no, no. I, I, I explained the situation, and it's totally understandable. I also gave them a warning of, like, three minutes jump ahead. Yeah. To me, to me, that's one of those series that, yeah, very, like, sacred in terms of me not wanting to spoil anything. And uh, it's just something I've, I've had... I've read and had in my life for so long, right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, um, moving on, moving on to like my actual next book. Sure, Runaways. Yes. Fuck me, this is so cool. Nice. Everything about this is just so goddamn interesting. I'm glad to hear you say that. I was really worried about the status of this book when it came yeah, out. So. For you. <laughs> uh, for those who for those who haven't read it or whatever, the Runaways is my favorite comic team of all time. They were they the Runaways book by Brian K. Vaughn is what cemented me in comic books. Uh, it was my introduction to it was my first introduction to a book that took place in a bigger comic book universe, but that didn't have fucking tie-ins to all the other bullshit happening. Like I like I read a bunch of like other fucking books around the time, like you know Batman, Superman, um, Birds of Prey, and stuff. But they all had like editor's notes saying, hey, if you want to find out what the fuck they're talking about, go see this previous issue or go see this other series that happened that, that wasn't sold in my area. So when I got the runaways, it was very much this takes place in the Marvel Universe, but you don't need to read other Marvel stuff in order to know what's happening. And that was my thing. And so reading that book for a while, it was like, yeah, this is fucking great. And they just stopped it. Mm-hmm. They did a goddamn fucking Teen Titans animated series ending on it. Where Chase sees another, where Chase sees Gert, Gertrude, his girlfriend, who'd been dead for fucking years now, sees her, runs after her, gets hit by a car, then the book is just canceled, and they show up again in fucking Dokken. And that plot line with fucking the other Gertrude is never resolved. Mm-hmm. But now we're back with a full-on For Realsies Runaways book. And it, and uh, Rainbow, I think, is her name? The writer of it? Yeah. Right, yeah, Rainbow something. Uh, let me just double check because I want... Yeah, Rainbow Rowell. She is doing this in a really smart fucking way. So, the first couple issues, they were about... Yeah, they were about, um like, Gertrude realizing that, oh, I was dead, but then I got plucked at a time, and all of my friends are now older than me. Because, like, yeah, they they plucked her out of fucking time right in, like, peak runaways. It was, like, when they were still dealing... It was, like, when they were dealing with uh, Chase... They were dealing with Alex's dad, who was brought into the fucking future. And all that other shit. And so all of them were still very much like, hey, we are kids. Trying to do this shit. And so they hadn't gone back in time to the fucking past and gotten and gotten fucking uh, Kara Plast or whatever. They hadn't, like... Ch- like, Nico and Chase hadn't done any of their shit. So then having that happen 
to these characters and then just having the, and then having Gertrude be introduced to these guys plucked out of time. It's like waking up from a fucking coma. Hmm. And so we are now we are now getting um look in, we are getting looks into what happened to the other members of the Runaways. Okay. Yeah. So Victor is quote unquote dead. Mm-hmm. He is just a head, and so Chase is Chase is doing fucking work on the head, trying to bring it back. Victor Mancha, right? Yeah, Victor That's, Mancha. It, is it picking up on what happened with him in Vision then? Or? Uh, not that. Like okay. it was essentially like yeah he did this other shit like they, like they, they, they wouldn't know about they wouldn't know about the shit that happened with the vision right but is that why he's in the state that he's in right now I don't like, think so it, I think it happened in a different book okay yeah so yes yeah, so like uh, they they have Victor's head and Chase is working on it and there's actually there's actually a really good line that I was that like really that for some reason resonated with me it's it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like a fucking like really well written line or anything it's just mm-hmm. something that's like oh right Chase. Right, where where he's like working on it, and and Gertrude's like like shouldn't you like have like a structure or anything for that? It's like I never did him before. It's like yeah, that's Chase's whole thing. Chase is an idiot, but he is a fucking savant with tech. Right, like <laughs> like he doesn't understand what he's doing, but he can just intuitively know how to fix things. Mm-hmm. So it just made you say, you're like, oh, that's so Chase. Like, yeah, like <laughs> man, Chase, I remember before you got ruined. Right, that's awesome. That's yeah, good. and then um, and so in this issue, they go to meet Carolina, mm-hmm. who is in college. Okay, and has a girlfriend. Oh, okay. And yeah, so they yeah, so they go and meet her, and her reaction to seeing them is to drop and shatter her coffee mug in shock. Mm-hmm. And so they and so yeah, they're all and so yeah, Gertrude is there, just kind of like saying, "Hey, fucking, we got to get the band back together. We got to go do this shit. It's gonna be awesome." And there's a little bit where they where like they first. Are there and old lace? The fucking dinosaur is hanging out in the hallway. A girl comes out of her room, looks over, sees sees old lace, and lace just smiles at her as she walks back into her room. Like, nope, not dealing with this. Because <laughs> yeah, they give lace. Uh, uh, Rainbow gives lace way more of a character in this. Mm-hmm. And Chris Anka artwork, he'd, his artwork is amazing. It fits the book well, I would think. Right? Yeah, like, it, yeah, yeah. It, it is a really good is a really good job of. Like capturing what these characters were, but showing how they've grown, and specifically showing how Gertrude hasn't. Plus, I think, I mean, I haven't seen his art on this book, but knowing his style of art and seeing other things he's drawn, I think it would fit this book well because of the age group of the group as well. Like, he draws like good-looking younger type. You know what I mean? Like people. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, and so yeah, so meeting up with a uh, Gertrude, meeting up with a uh, fucking Carolina. Is Carolina's been through some shit. Mm-hmm. Where now, she, where now, like after they leave, she is sitting. She is sitting in her fucking room, just alone, because because like everyone's like, "Yeah, we're getting the band back together." And Carolina's like, "I can't drop out of school, man. I have a life here. I have a girlfriend. Things are like good for me now." Mm-hmm. Then after everybody leaves, she has this little fucking mantra of like, "I am not my parents' mistakes. I I am I'm, I'm allowed to be I'm allowed to be happy." Is essentially like a little note it ends on. Okay. Just this very scripted, practiced thing that she has to recite to herself, like fucking Jessica Jones reciting the street she grew up on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it. She's trying to stay away from that life. Like, yeah. Not she, to she, she's like, she's like, hey, it. I need to fucking right focus. That time was bad for me, and now things are good. So let me have this, please. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, then going back to the car, um, the going back to the van, um, Chase and Gertrude have a little conversation where Gertrude just straight up says like, hey, you guys are older now. This thing, the world is fucked right now, and I don't know where I fit. Because she already had that being a teenager and being the daughter of supervillains, and now she is a time-displaced teenage daughter of supervillains. Mm-hmm. Everything she was going through back in the past is now exacerbated like multiple times over because now everybody she could have relied on is older. And so she has that little, so she has a little bit, just like this little fucking breakdown moment in the fucking van as Chase is sticking a Chase is sticking a screwdriver in Victor's ear, and he just does his best to like fucking get her, like just to like reassure her, like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still, I still fucking love you, dude. Mm-hmm. And then Nico comes in, and is like, hey, we're getting the fucking band back together. And there's a little bit where like we see in, uh, where we see like inside awesome. old Lace's mind, and it's like literally a band. <laughs> Yeah, old lace is playing drums, and he's like, yeah. "Fuck yeah, this is awesome." <laughs> oh, I like that he has a, a an actual um, like he actually has thoughts and stuff. Yeah, he's yeah he's a character yeah, now instead of a weapon. I, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, and uh, meanwhile, uh, and like a- after he like starts fucking around with the head, uh, we actually see like uh, so the like internal display light up for his fucking head, and it is activating the victory program. Okay, which for those who don't know or don't remember. I don't um, remember, yeah. The reason why the reason why Victor joined the runways in the first place is because he's the son of Voltron who created him as a sleeper agent to murder all the superheroes. Oh, okay. Yeah, like that was his whole thing. Like uh like Victor was created by Ultron to right. to be to be obsessed with superheroes, right, right. become a superhero by the name of Victorious. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then no, murder I, all the superheroes. And that's what the name of the uh yeah, yeah, it's the, like it's like running victorious. Mm, yeah, no, I I didn't I didn't remember that. I know I knew that. Yeah, like, was, like like up till now, up, up till now, he has been aware of that and had essentially like essentially like consciously shut down that program. Mm-hmm. But now that but now that he's essentially being rebooted by Chase, that program is now in the forefront. Yeah, no, I, I definitely remember the old Ultron connection. I I thought that not to connect to something else, but yeah, that's. That's why I loved how he came into that vision series of Tom King and he referenced Runaways. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I love, yeah. like, and yeah, I really enjoyed the fact that he kind of acknowledged his whole past and he kind of, he's, he's, at, for me at least, one of the characters that, like, I mentioned this before in the show, that I've really, the one that's one of the main people that stuck out from the Runaways for me because he's continuously showed up in other smaller series that I really enjoyed. Like, the yeah, Avengers he's been, AI, he's been, the, he's been Avengers- the member of the Runaways treated with the most respect. Yeah, like eventually, but but it all harkens back to writers find him interesting to use because of yeah. the Ultron connection. Yeah, right. Because because which which is which is great that uh, I mean Brian K. Vaughn started that to begin with for other writers to pick up the character and kind of run with him, right? Like because um, <laughs> because he, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like the small parts that he's had in like Avengers EI and the fact that he showed up in Vision. Like I really I really liked those moments because I was like, hey, look, like you know, like. like it's Chase, like no, sorry, Victor. Uh, I loved how he showed up in those series, right? And so, does yeah. Gertrude still have a hold over Old Lace, like she did in yeah. the other series? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's okay. a it's a it's a psychic connection, right? Okay, yeah. The only reason the only reason that like fucking Chase was able to get it was because she passed it on to him when she died, right? But now that she's back, she's like, "Yo, fucking my dinosaur." <laughs> 
Like, like yeah, there, there's actually a point where she's like sitting, sitting outside the van on a college campus with her fucking dinosaur wrapped around her like a fucking dog. <laughs> and actually some college kids like walk up and like, hey, can we put your cool dog? And she just shoots him like a decker. She's like, whoop, why am I going to leave? That, that's, that's when fucking Old Lace has his little like has his little like band moment where he's on drums. And that's, that's my favorite part about that. Just this giant smiling fucking velociraptor looking motherfucker. And it's just like, yeah, I'm gonna play drums in a shitty band with all my buddies. <laughs> it's just the fact that he took the term getting the band back together so literal in his mind. He actually yeah. thinking of it. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Just, yeah. it's, it's a really little dumb thing, but I fucking love it. It sounds fun. I'm definitely gonna pick up the first trade of this. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, and next yeah. up, they're going to get Molly. Okay. Uh, and there are since the first issue, she's, there's been like. Sorry, I'm not as well. Ver- I've read it. I've read some of it, but it's been a long time. Is she the younger one? Yes. Yeah. She's she, she's the ten year old. Okay. She's the ten year old okay. with the power of fucking Colossus. Right. Okay. No, I I I just want to make sure I knew who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And she's yeah. one of the main reasons that that new run- runway show will fucking be terrible. Have you watched it yet? Fuck no. Okay. I'm not no, supporting that show in any way. Mm. Fuck that show. That show is a bastardization of my fucking favorite team. <laughs> Fair enough. And yeah, for anybody out there, I, for anybody out there wondering, it's not because they made her Hispanic. It's because they made her the same age as everybody else. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't she even is, know that. Yeah, every, no, that's, that's the dumb thing. Everybody else is 18. She's 16. Mm-hmm. Which okay. goes against the fucking. Right. The original vision of the book, yeah. Yeah, Die, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's fucking... They don't want to be grown-ups. They want to die... They, like, like, a but, like, fucking Gertrude especially is like, I would rather be dead than 18. Mm-hmm. And so making them 18 and then making fucking Molly 16, they only did that so it wouldn't be weird if somebody wants to fuck her. <laughs> right. Kind of did the CW on them, right? Yeah, like, they yeah. CW-fied the fucking <laughs> runaways. Right. Yeah. Let's just no. Yeah. Just fucking no. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. It didn't work for fucking Battle for the Atom. You're okay, though, when they do it with a show like Archie, but you're not okay no, with no, Runaways. Th- no, though. Archie's terrible. Oh, I thought you were still digging that show. I remember you talked about it one time on the... No, I dig, I the, mean, sh- I dig the show for how terrible it is. Right. <laughs> no, believe me, I don't. I mean, I'm still watching it. And I'm, uh, I have I not started watching the, season, the second season because, like, it's fuck it. The season's not as good as the. It, it's, it, it's. This second season's actually worse than the first, in my opinion. Wow. But yeah. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. I, I just couldn't get into that. But also, I didn't have as strong a connection to Archie as I do to the Runaways. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I mean. You can kind of give somewhat of a pass in yeah, the, like, the, the like, fact I, that I, you I hold only, them so sacred. Yeah, like I oh, only everyone, just started reading Archie those. with the Mark Wade series. Sure, the Runaways I've read multiple times from Inception. No, I remember what I actually remember year, like years ago when I first started on the show and I brought Afterlife with Archie to the show. Even you were like, "What the fuck, Archie?" <laughs> I was yeah. just like, "Yeah, yeah like, man." I'm like. <laughs> Like fuck you, yeah. dude. And then, and then I, I started remember. reading fucking Mark Wade. I was like, oh wait, Archie. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, you're right about these Archie books. They are pretty good. I was like, yeah, yeah Jughead, the Hunger, coming soon. <laughs> yeah. So um, also, no, it's, yeah, yeah, also fucking um, Adventures of Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, not till 2018. Yeah. 
Oh, fuck. Oh, wait, are you talking about the comic coming yeah, back? No, yeah, the, the, yeah, the comic. Jesus issue 9 Christ. of the comic isn't coming out until fucking February 2018. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I mean, I don't read any issues anymore. I wait, I wait like three years for the trade to come out <laughs> at this point. It's, yeah, I'm all, uh, caught, up, I'm all caught up with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I've heard it's it's really good still. It I've is. Heard, yeah, yeah. I know. I've only it's heard It's really five. interesting, but yeah. just like, fuck, man. I know. It's brutal. They need to get, they need to get on like a fucking actual release schedule. Yeah. And not just, we'll yeah. release it when we feel like it get fucked. Yeah. No, it's a shame. It is a good series. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, yeah. So I'm glad to hear this is great, though, Runaways. That's that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah, The Runaways <laughs> is a fucking really interesting book that's doing really interesting things with these characters. And it's being so goddamn smart about it. Right. They're approaching like, the like, material. Yeah, we, we've talk, uh, I've ta- yeah. Like, we, I talked about, we talked a lot about extrapolation in this fucking episode. Sure. But that's yep. what this was. This was this was fucking um uh fucking Rainbow Rowell sitting down, reading those old fucking issues, and then expanding on that in time. This is this is a series written by somebody who knows what makes these characters work. And I'm so fucking happy. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. I, I I'm need glad this. They... Even, even though the series isn't a happy series, <laughs> I need this series to be. I need this series for me to be happy. Yeah, yeah. Because you know it's remained a constant with you, especially after the fact that they split all the characters up and came up with series with them that you did not enjoy. <laughs> no, fuck Avengers Arena. Right, which started off your hate relationship with uh, Dennis Hopeless. Yeah, and then I was brought back around with fucking Spider Woman. Yeah, Hopeless is a weird writer for me. <laughs> well, just, I mean, just, I've just talked, like, just like, yeah, I'm a big fan, but it. also get fucked. <laughs> right. I mean, I've mentioned on the show before, and I cursed out for it. Now, I, I, I thought that series was all right, but I didn't have the attachment like you did to those characters. So again, yeah, everyone so, has those. Everyone has those. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has a series people. where yeah. just something will not, or something that that worked for somebody else will not work for you because of your attachment to the because attachment to the material. Absolutely, and your love for that character, right? So, yeah, it's, I understand. So, no worries. <laughs> yeah. So now, Mo- yes, yeah, so now going forward, Molly is like twelve or something now. Like, okay. like the, the cover for the next issue where she's going to be in it, she, it has um, her like in a yearbook. Okay. With everybody else saying like, "Hey, Molly, yeah, you're going to be good," and Molly is like living with a fucking foster family, so it will be super interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, I it's can't it. wait. It's interesting to see where they even are at this point. Now it's in the future from the original series, right? Like, yeah, but it, like it's, it, it's not—it's yeah. not like a fucking like super far off future. It's like three years later, right? Yeah, I, which I think was a good decision. Yeah, it made. was yeah. smart. It was—it was having these characters go into the very early steps of adulthood, and yeah, like like just so fucking. It is—it is a simple thing to have Nico run out of spells. But right. I just never thought about it in the actual book itself until it was brought up. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like when, like when it was when it was initially revealed for like early, like later runaway stuff, where Nika was learning other languages so that she could do those spells in other languages and do them twice. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that works. I, I didn't ever thought about that, but yeah, what if she runs into spells? Yeah. And right. now in this, she is actually just straight up running out. Yeah. No, it's it's such a. S- simple obvious 
a concept that you can take in that direction, but hadn't been done till the, up to this point. And it's very clever that it's actually being used. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is a very, that is a, something that you would think you would be concerned about if you were that person, yeah. I would assume. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how deep this goes. All right. Cause like, I'm not the biggest fan of Clara, but I kind of, I kind of want to see what happened with her. Now, do you are are you do you have any interest in uh, Buddy that was in Pyroman and Iron Fist recently? What's his name? The bad guy, Alex uh, Wilder. Yes, coming back from the dead or from hell into this series. Uh, are, they, I feel I feel like you, at this point they've kind of outgrown him. Okay, I was about to say like it's good that they haven't just ran right back to him and put him in the first arc as of yet. But no, like, don't you think like, at no, some like, point was, he like, should he, pop up? Even while like they were like. I th- I'm pretty sure, like, Alex was only a villain for the end of the initial run, and then they just, like, went on. They just moved on from him. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he was only only the he was only in the first, like, 12 or 18 issues. Yeah, he was, that, he was in the first Brian volume of the book. Yeah, that's and right. And then he was in the first volume of the book, and then what it was really was a villain. He got nuked by the Gibberim. And then they never really, they never really brought him up again until they, until it was like, hey, until it was like, until, like, someone died and it was like Nico, fucking bring her back. It's like I can't. I already tried to use resurrect on fucking Alex. Mm. But for but for me, like I I still always associate himself him with the Runaways. So you don't think at some point he he would come back at some point in during the series? Like, I don't. Would you be just dis- would you be disappointed if he if he showed up at some point as a threat? I would be, di- or I would be disappointed if the if he showed up as the Power Man Iron Fist iteration of Alex. Okay. Yeah. Fair where, enough. Where he was just like this fucking. Like this manic, almost insane person trying to become a crime boss, right? Because I don't feel like that's that suits the Runaways and what they do. Mm-hmm. Like the Runaways, kind of always their thing was very personal, right? Like all, all their villains and all the st- like, like shit they fought against, it was specifically because it had something personal tied to them. Mm-hmm. Like even when they went back in the past and they're like, "Hey, we got to fight this fucking crime boss doing whatever," it was kind of because they were fuck they were fucking up their friends. And all the initial stuff, even after like their fucking parents died, a lot of their shit was, hey, th- hey like this is tied to us personally. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be kind of the case now. Like, like they they've been a, they haven't introduced like an actual villain properly yet, but they have set up stuff where there is somebody following them. Okay, but so far it's been basically about reintroducing these characters. Yeah, it's and it's, been, yeah, it's been about seeing where the, yeah, it's about seeing where the band is now. That's perfect. I mean, that's a great start to the book, especially for new readers as well that may not be as familiar with these people, right? Yeah. So, because you gotta understand, you gotta, you gotta think that was like what early two thousands that book probably yeah, it, yeah, it's like, early two thousands and it wasn't right. that big a book to begin with, right? So the fact that this they've come back now, what like probably fifteen fucking years later, like there's gonna be probably a whole new group of readers that don't know these characters. Yeah, so, and anybody I, who did, anybody who did like read them probably wasn't like a fucking me. Yeah, that's really cool. It's awesome that they came back. Yeah, totally. So anyway, Runaways, it's still fucking great. Don't watch the TV <laughs> <awesome>. show ever. <laughs> All right. In fact, um, if, okay. in fact, if you can find a way to actively take away viewership from the TV show, I suggest you do it. <laughs> All right. There you go. There you have it. All right. Uh, very quickly, uh, Thor 701, my last book I'm talking about, uh, basically continuing with the legacy numbering, Mangog. Yes, Mangog. <laughs> Have you, have you read this? Are you up yes, to date? Or? 
All right. All I have to say about this issue is fucking Mangog. A Kirby-like vi- uh, Kirby villain from Thor basically beating... This is, this is an issue dedicated to learning about who Mangog is and a fucking awesome fight scene illustrated by James fucking Heron, who's an awesome fucking artist for this issue. Yeah. So that's that's all I have to say. James Heron, of, uh, he did a couple issues, Seven to Attorney with Remender. Uh, Rumble. Rumble, most notably, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah, fucking Mangog looks a character straight out of Rumble. Yeah. He, it looks awesome. This is a tour de force in terms of art, this issue. Fuck. It just, it's, it's just an awesome throwdown fight for pretty much all the issue here between him and the Warthor. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, the fat, uh, Asgardian. What's uh, his name? Um, Volstag. Yes, thank you. Volstag, who is basically the Warthor. Gets the shit beaten out of him by Mangog. And then Mangog at the end quickly talks with, uh, uh, what's his name? The elf Malekith. Uh, forgetting, every- yes, thank you, Malekith. I'm forgetting everyone's fucking name. Yeah, he, yeah. He goes, <laughs> he, he goes to like old Asgard and sees it's destroyed yeah. and just fucked up. And then, yeah. and then Malekith goes like, "Yo, what's up? You want fuck? You want fuck some Asgardians? Throw by Jupiter. Peace." Yeah, yeah. And he basically points him right in the direction of fucking more people. To yeah, him points him in the direction of Asgardia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just to beat the shit out of so. Yeah, and Van Gogh just like as a concept is really fucking cool. He is a force of fucking nature, this Mangog. Yeah, uh, yeah he just hates yeah, like, gods. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, Mangog is the last remnant of a race of people that were wiped out by Asgard. Yeah. Yeah, like like, like Odin just fucked them off out of the fucking existence and then just erased any, any record of their existence from the fucking history books because that's what, o- that's what Odin do. Yeah, so now he's just made it his life goal. Yeah, yeah Mangog Man- Man- become- just survived all that and is now just the fucking embodiment of the hatred of his people. Yeah, and like he's continued the kind of the whole ongoing thing theme going back to the start of the Thor series all those years ago by Jason Aaron, uh, just about more enemies that hate gods. Like mo, basically every enemy in one form or another that's basically come through the pages of these books has hated on the Thor, on Thor and every and his people basically just because they hate the concept of God and they hate God. Like period, gods, gods. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting theme, like right from the start with the, uh, first villain that, uh, that he introduced. In the that God Butcher. Arc. Yes, that's right. Uh, Gore. Yeah, Gore the God Butcher. Um, so yeah, um, it's, uh, fuck. I really just wanted to quickly mention this and not to get into everything because, like I said, it's just kind of a standalone, although it's going to continue kind of fight issue with this Mangog. Um, just an awesome fucking issue. Really fun. Still a really good series. Great art in this one. James Aaron isn't going to be, I think, doing any more issues, but, um, it was nice to see him hop on this one and do the art on this. So, uh, yeah, really, really fucking good. So yeah, Thor 701, um, really enjoying it still and uh jared jason aaron really shows all the other writers how it's done to fucking interweave fucking several different series and continue this fucking epic of a story that he's been writing from since like i don't know it's been like four fucking years it feels like now at this point so yeah uh yeah so really really good stuff yeah that's it all right then my final book redlands yeah this new series uh from jordy belair and vanessa r del rey Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool. I like I like the artist. Uh, yeah, the art's I, real I good. Um, Vanessa R. Del Rey is the artist. Uh, Jordi Beller is the writer. Who's normally a colorist for the most part. Yeah, they're, they're also the color artist for this book, too. Mm. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, and just let me. Okay, yeah, it's, it's she. Yeah, I was like, wait, Jordy Miller's a girl, right? She's a lady, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, she's I, uh, Declan Shalvey's wife. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Jordy Miller, Vanessa Del, Vanessa, uh, Del Rey, both of them work on this book, and it is a book about a small, um, like bayou town that gets taken over by witches. Okay. Yeah, like the first issue is about uh, this guy, uh, about like all the fucking sheriff and everybody working in this fucking like little town when all of a sudden three women come in and kill everybody. And then from there, the series is just about this town under the rule of these three witches and all the weird supernatural shit happening there. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be like a big ongoing story yet. Okay. Just kind of like a lot of weird vignettes happening in this town, but mm. I'm kind of liking it. It's like it's like really interesting. There is like like one of the witches is raising like a daughter who used to be a spider. Okay. Uh, one of the witches is in a relationship with a were crocodile. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. Who's also is a that bounty like hunter? Half werewolf, half crocodile. <laughs> no, no, it's no, it's a man who turns into a crocodile. Oh, okay. I was like, what? Okay, where? Yeah, I yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Where is man? Yeah, and then animal. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So he just so he just like he's a bounty hunter. Goes out like fucking hunting people, bringing them back. One of the witches just straight up hates him. And so whenever he comes back into town, he's like, "Yo, get the fuck out, you piece of shit." And then the other one just goes over and they fuck in the hood of her car. And yeah, it's just kind of the lives of these people in this town as shit gets progressively weirder. There's not really much happening in terms of like plot or like character stuff. I'm able to like some of them are some of them I'm able to like kind of get an idea of what they're doing. But yeah, it's just kind of this town getting weird. And I kind of dig. It's like it's like if um it's like if Harrow County had less plot. Okay. Yep. Like a a rural country yeah, type. Yeah, but uh, yeah, instead, instead of it being or, like instead of being a farmland, it's swampland. It's like in the middle of fucking Louisiana or something. Mm-hmm. Or Florida. Yeah, just a small town kind of cut off from everybody else where just like there are were crocodiles and fucking witches and ghosts and psychics and spider people. And it's all being nice. run by these three women. I'm definitely checking this out. This is one that I was planning on picking up a trade. I think you just uh, yeah, I really recommend it. And me. yeah, like yeah. if you if you're into Harrow County, you might be into this. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's all yeah, I gotta yeah, say. I, about I, like, like there's not a whole and the writing is is good because I know that Jordy Belair is primarily known as a colorist. I would, but yeah, you think uh, the, the writing's all right. Yeah, it's yeah, the writing's sparse, all right. Uh, you said yeah, like each okay, like each of the characters do have their own kind of unique voice about them. It doesn't feel like everybody's being written the same. The dialogue isn't terrible. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is a pretty good first outing for a writer. Awesome. No, that's really good. That's okay. I'll be checking this out. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. All right, then. Does what we're reading, then. News time. Yes. So first up, let's go with the small news. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this week's issue of X-Men Blue, uh, a little thing was posted at the end, reading, quote, Now, for teasing upcoming projects, I can say that there are at least two ongoing series in development. One completely unexpected, and the other a return of a fan favorite. It's too early to get into any more than that, but I'm sure most X-Fans will be excited when we make the announcements. Keep your eyes and ears open. Huh. So, Who yeah. said this? Cullen Bunn or one of the editors in the letter column? Uh, I believe it's in the letter column. Okay, so they're really one of the editors then. So a fan favorite X-Series is going to be coming back. 
Yeah. So, Uncanny X Force. I don't. I don't know. Like uh, the the Bleeding Cool article this is in um, speculates that one of them is the is the um, X Men Red, the uh, adult led Jean Grey team. Yeah, right. The Tom Taylor one. Okay. Yeah, but other than that, like uh, Wolverine and the X Men, Jason Aaron's still there. <laughs> yeah, like like a couple of ones that they say is like um, Excalibur, X Force, X Factor. Ah, uh, like the original X series, yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe X Babies. I mean, I would love for Jason Aaron to come back to one of the X titles, no matter what, whatever the fuck it is, because he was actually one of the best X writers in my time that I've read. He was great. But here's the thing: all this stuff. do we need more X Men from him, or just in Period. general? No, there's a lot of books out already. You're right. Yeah, think. There's there a lot of books is. out right now, and then yeah. there are two, potentially three more coming. But that's what I mean. But if they start phasing out some of the other ones, then I'd be okay with that. But you're right. We don't necessarily need like that many. But the way it looks like, if they're going to continue gold and blue and red, like having a different fucking color team for each one, it is going to get a little flooded back to what it used to yeah, be. Yeah, and then eventually like all the teams will be led by Wolverine. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if this has, that's true, a different Wolverine on HD, right? That's, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, like we I, got I, old man, <laughs> yeah, we got old man Logan, we got fucking late, we got fucking Laura Wolverine. Yeah. And then yeah. we have, like, two different teams with the same version of, like, fucking current uh, Logan. Well, the ultimate Wolverine now is back in, in like the Jimmy Hudson? Star- yeah, he's in X-Men Blue now. Okay, yeah, yeah then regular Wolverine will go to X-Men Gold. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Hudson. Jesus in, Christ, in, what the fuck is happening? It, yeah, I don't know if you knew that because I've been reading X Men Blue. He just came into the book, I think, recently. I uh, saw yeah. something like that, but I didn't know he was becoming like a regular character. Yeah, he's on the team. Okay, yeah, then he, he's there to stay. He was actually one of the unexpected surviving members, I guess, of the Ultimate Universe. He's there now. I guess they're just fucking. So, throwing he, every so he and Jean Grey have a weird relationship then, because in Ultimate, he fucked Jean Grey. There is a weird relationship between those two because Jean Grey in the current – because I just read volume two of the X-Men Blue with Colin Bud. Jean Grey um, thought he was cute and then her and Cyclops from the past had some sort of mind connection at some point and then he was kind of ragging on her because she thinks that he's hot and now they had a falling out and they're not together. So they are kind of – not because of this. They were Yeah, they weren't together, together for a while. Yeah. Right. So, but this is kind of brought up the fact, like, oh, why do you care? Just because he's cute doesn't mean, like, I'm into, like, I like him and all this kind of shit. You know, it's like a whole love triangle. The whole original love triangle is happening all over again with all the, with the young characters. Man. Like, the fa- remember, yeah, remember so, when Gene was into Beast? Yes. And how that fucking was fresh Bendis's. an idea that was? Yeah, that was during Bendis's uh, X-Men run. Yeah, with the when they first came from the... What the, the happened uh, to that? It kind of dissipated. Yeah, I don't know. They kind of he like it was, most. It was it was like a really threads. good idea that they just stopped. <laughs> well, that's Bendis a lot of the time, unfortunately. <laughs> like he yeah, but, started like, all. Yeah, but like other yeah. writers have gone on to write the books. Why? Like has that You're right. been brought up at all? It has. It's been mentioned that he still has feelings for her, but she kind of. It's really just Jean. Jean's just a super bitch at this point. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, on, totally. Uh, she is. I'm sorry, and I'm only saying that because of the fact of the whole the whole intruding people's minds thing that kept going, like that narrative yeah, that and like started. the potential <laughs> that she made Iceman gay. 
Yeah, so Bullen, uh, sorry, so Bun actually picked up on that Bendis thread of the fact that she was basically mind raping people. Like he continued with that fucking idea because, like, that was one of the more interesting things that he kind of established and like, why is she doing that? Like, yeah, because it's wrong, right? We've talked about this before on the show. Yeah, so, anyways, and actually, speaking yeah. of X Men, have you been watching The Gifted? No, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it's a really interesting. It's a really interesting series. But they planted the seed of that and then fucked it up super hard with, like, the mind control stuff. Because there's a character in it called uh, Dreamer. Okay. Who can, like, breathe out this purple gas in your face. And then she can, like, implant memories in your head. Oh. Okay. And so and so one of the things, one of the things like, the points of this, one of, like, the bit, beats of the series is that Blink doesn't have full control of her powers yet. Right. And so Thunderbird was training her. Okay. And one of the things he, one of the things like, one of the ideas that he had was like, like you need, you need something good, some like happy memory or thing, and use that as an anchor to like focus your powers. And so she just couldn't do that because her life's been shit. Right. And then Dreamer was like, okay, okay, our, okay, our boys are about to die, including my boyfriend Thunderbird. So hey, breathe this shit in, and then implants a memory in her head of her being in love with Thunderbird and Thunderbird being in love with her. Oh. Yeah, without okay. her permission or anything. Like she didn't even she didn't even say like, "Hey, can we do this? It might help." Just like, "Yo, fuck you." Cuz <laughs> it comes right. out of her mouth. Oh, uh, that's weird. Yeah, and, th- and, th- and then for a while there, they were actually like really doing it right. Like Thunderbird was like, "Dude, what the fuck did you do?" And then when right. that, and then it actually gets revealed, uh fucking Blink leaves the team. Right. <laughs> but then she goes back and apologizes to Dreamer. Right. It's like, no, Why? fuck you. That- yeah, you were right. Like You had a reason to be yeah, upset yeah, about yeah, that. Like, it's, it's like, oh, I kind of snapped at you. I'm sorry about that. I know, I know you're just doing it for the team. Like, no, get fucked. You are in the right to be angry. So it just, it just continues the mind raping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just further strengthens my fucking belief that anybody right. who gets telepathic powers loses all sense of morality in decent sense. Yeah. I mean, they yeah, are look evil at, people. Remember, remember <laughs> that time Rachel Gray threatened to lobotomize Spider Man because she didn't like him? <laughs> was that in the Spider Man and X Men series? Yes, it that was. Came? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then, and I mean, like, there's a log list. I mean, all the Emma Frost stuff. Literally Professor everything X Charles Xavier has ever done. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, Quentin Quire. I mean, <laughs> there's been Quentin a lot. Quire is kind of the exception to the rule. Like after he did the shit with the UN, then got accepted into the school, he actually got better. He's kind of scaled back, but he definitely has used it for yeah, bad. He, he has used it for stuff, yeah, but then he learned yeah. like, oh wait, maybe that's bad. I'll just use to make shotguns. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You're right. He's not as bad egregious as the other people that we just mentioned. Yeah, like, like he he learned <laughs> he learned that what he was doing was bad and stopped doing it. Everybody else still thinks yeah. they're on the right side of history, even though they're all basically the Shadow King. Right. <laughs> yep. So. Christ. Yeah, X Men guys. <laughs> yeah, and and like fucking telepaths are the biggest thing against the idea of just like of, of of this being a civil rights story. Well, yeah, I mean, like when you when they talk about the whole thing about humans not trusting them in the books, like I wouldn't trust somebody who's telepathic either. Oh to no, be like, honest with you. oh no, like like <laughs> like there, there's a re- there's a reason nobody has able to been there's been, there's been a reason like nobody has been able to like properly respond to well the Jews weren't all walking nukes. Right. 
Yeah, like like for those for those who haven't read, like in in pretty much every story involving the X Men, at some point a debate comes up between two characters of like, "Hey, mutants are dangerous. You racist," and then it always comes down to like. Like oh, so we just put all those just put in the fucking concentration camps with all this shit, and then like yeah, eventually goes Nazis because of Godwin, and right. the, and the person who is like hey fuck you racist, they're like like they essentially compare they they compare people's uh, people's opinions of um mutants to Jewish people in Nazi Germany, to which right. to which the person who is like kind of kind of anti mutant is like is like hey well like. The, 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 that is not fair. The Jews weren't literally walking weapons, right? And then the person who is, and the person who was like, who like brought up the Nazi thing in the first place is like, "Hey, you don't, hey, fucking fuck you, racist!" Just like not having any response other than this conversation is over and I win. I know, I know that that's where it always goes with X Men because like that is what they've been trying to portray in the past, and yeah, I yeah, know, but it's not so. a direct one to one comparison when you consider the no. fact that Charles Xavier has had to literally psychically block out people's powers because they are too dangerous mm-hmm. and yeah, Wolverine has murdered like 15 fucking children mm-hmm. I mean he's done that with his own his own son like yeah. I mean like yeah like yeah, oh he, you're too dangerous I better stab you and that guy during that run uh I forgot his name but there was another person that he deemed in that Avengers was it Avengers or, there was another mutant that popped up that was a new mutant that he deemed too powerful and he basically stopped him from actually Yeah like and like and there was another issue where like a where like a kid unlocked his powers and his power right. were to was to basically atomize anybody around him Right where he ended up like killing his entire town including his girlfriend and mother yeah, so didn't he mind wipe him or something? No, like Wolverine that? killed him. Oh, right, but he's he they, they yeah, had they, to send him out to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he sent Wolverine out. They they took him into yeah. took him into a fucking like he was hiding out in a cave. Wolverine found him, gave him a beer, and it's like, dude, I'm too young. He's like, drink it. <laughs> and then Wolverine just leaves a couple seconds later. That's I mean, a lot of fucked up shit has happened in the X. Yeah, the X Men are fucked because <laughs> yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah. 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 Like, like the school is a good idea of like, hey, let's take these pe- let's take these fucking teenagers with with horrible superpowers tied to their emotional states, mm-hmm. and like fucking train them in such a way that where that no matter what happens they'll be able to have complete control over their powers. Yeah, uh, like, like, that's like putting, like putting the danger the room, putting the putting a fucking danger room protocol in the toilet is a great idea. Right, <laughs> the toilet. Yeah. yeah, I read Wolverine the X Men. Yeah. It's great. Fuck you, Hellion, you piece of shit. The whole mansion was set up as a danger. Yeah, I remember they were just walking yeah, around. Yeah, like, and like and setups like that of just, hey, we'll, yeah. we'll like sequester all these dudes in, a, in an area where they can't hurt anybody and then put them through all this horrible shit to give them control of their powers while teaching them regular school stuff. That is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, Jason Aaron made the fucking grounds to the school a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Krikoa, right? So, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. moving on to the big news. Yes. So, Marvel has a new editor in chief. C. B. Sobolski, uh was recently brought in to take over for Axel Alonso as the brand new editor in chief of Marvel Entertainment. Much needed move. Yep, this is a big thing. And it got even bigger when it kind of came out that he actually, that Sobolski had actually written under a Japanese name, name as a fake yeah. Japanese author. 
Are you okay? I, I was wondering if you were going to mention this part of it because this came out basically like a week after the announcement that he was taking it's, over. It's, Everyone it's, was, it's a pretty big thing. No, I know. Everyone was happy about the fact that he got the job originally. Everyone's like, yeah, yes, change is needed. Axel kind of put his foot in his mouth with a lot of the fucking comments they made about artists don't matter and all these type of things that he's made yeah. over the past year, and it was time. So yeah. Everyone was happy about that. C.B. Sobolski, a lot of people had a lot of good faith in him. He's the reason a lot of talent, including people like Scotty Young and stuff, was brought to Marvel. Like, he actually talent scouted a lot of really good artists for Marvel back years ago. And, like, a lot of people like the guy. Then, yeah, this piece of news came out. Now, are you... Because everything kind of... There's a lot of things these days because of the very PC audiences that move around and the fact that some things get blown out of proportion. Where do you stand on this, that he did a different pen name under a Japanese synonym? I don't care. Years ago. Right. Okay. That's how I feel. It's, it's, but, a, it's a thing. And the way that they right. did it was fucking weird as hell. Right. But end of the day, I don't really care. Okay. No, I, I'm glad he said that because I was going to say the same thing and I didn't know what stance you were taking on it. So I thought you were going to, I was going to be like, oh, maybe like, I don't care. And you're like, oh, this yeah, is it ridiculous. Was, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was weird as hell. It, it was weird as right. hell where he like did fucking like interviews with people as an actual fucking Japanese person giving like, hey, this is the Japanese take on this fucking thing. Well, like there was a bit where he was like talking about um, where like he actually was interviewed by uh, somebody from Newsarama and he was specifically asked about Japanese culture. Right. And there was like a profile written about him for fucking CBR where everything in it was given as like this is a real fact that happened despite the fact that he yeah. doesn't exist. I mean definitely taking it a little too far, sure, but at the same time like, know, like uh, it was weird as hell and I can, I can understand why people would be upset about this, but sp- end of day right. I just don't care. Same. I, and yeah, maybe if you're Japanese, you feel differently, but, um, I, I, not that, I, again, it justifies the reason why he went so far with this and actually assuming this pseudonym and, and, per, and, and actually writing it and acting like this person. Um, but he did live in Japan apparently for years and he does have a lot of respect for their culture and like, like that was mentioned, like he is very familiar with a lot of that, like, cause he did live there and he, and he, I guess he's very, he's very much into like the comic scene in Japan as well back yeah. then. Um, so maybe that's why they kind of branched out, like it reached out to him to kind of get involved like this. But, uh, it does, yeah, but sure. It, 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 some people could feel it was wrong for him to do this, but he openly admitted as soon as it was brought up. Um, and I think he dealt with it properly. It's just a shame that things like this, again, like you can't have a good fucking news day without a reveal a week later about a certain person. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, it gets blown way out of proportion. Like, again, yeah, sure. You have the right to be offended by what he did, but yeah, totally. I'm, we're not we're, like, we're not we're not saying hey yeah. fucking snowflakes fucking calm the fuck down don't be offended by this we're just saying that hey right it's not that big a deal yeah I don't find it I mean yes but yeah, yeah I'm and, with you and, I, and I from what, what I've saying. and from what I've seen uh, like a lot of the like outrage about this shit is coming from white people <sighs> right like <laughs> like like a lot like a lot of the time like 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 even around the fucking like uh coming out of the uh, like Death Note and um. Like the Death Note and the Ghost in the Shell Ghost movie. Ghost in the Shell, right? Yeah, like a, a lot of the outrage about that was like white people saying, "Oh, you're fucking up, domination culture, whitewashing everything." And then you go over like the reports of like people actually who like own the properties and like fans of it in Japan. They're like, "Yeah, fuck, we don't give a shit." Sorry, fucking also cool. if I'm not, 
also, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the time when he did this during, like, the fucking wizard days that he fucking did this? Like, wasn't this during, like, the wizard magazine days? Uh, he... I think so. It was, like, it was like a 2004-2005. Right. So you're talking about a time in comics that was not very good, like, for anybody. Yeah. Like, you're, you're talking about again, them coming out. We white people. That's just our opinion on it. You might right. have another opinion because you Absolutely. are actually Japanese. Absolutely. That's what I mean. And you're entitled to that. But that, but like, whether it's right or wrong, like you said, at the end of the day, I just didn't fucking really care about this piece of news. But I just, I felt yeah, that. It's still big. It's, yeah. Yeah, sure. But yeah. That's what I do for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back. Two weeks time with the episode of the Best Pro podcast. And between now and then, we got shit coming out. I gotta pee. Until then, I'm dead. Anika. We will see you guys next time.